What's up, ladies and gents, and welcome to Basement Side Chats. I'm your host, Deke, here tonight with MMO Inks. How's it going, Inks? Yeah, it's going pretty good. Thanks for inviting me over. Absolutely, man. I'm really pleased to have you. Um, you've been on my... I mentioned this to you before uh, when I was inviting you to come on, but, uh, you know, I'm a longtime Guild Wars 2 fan, longtime fan of, of course, Tea Time, which you've been on many, many times, and your own content. I think I've stopped by your stream like at least a double handful of times in the past. Um, I love the way you engage with the game and the community, and I think that you've gone maybe a little a little quieter um, in recent times, but when I saw you pop up recently with uh, the video you did responding to Wooden Potatoes' video responding to community feedback to his video, God, that's convoluted, uh, I thought, hey, uh, I would love to, to use it as an excuse to, to actually find you something I've wanted to do for a long time and just talk to you. That's uh, that's Mighty Teapot's favorite kind of content, you know, content within content, Referential from somebody else's content. content. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's it's so huge in streaming these days. I think that you see people who are trying to be online for twelve hours, and it's just you got to find some way to fill up the time. So what do you do? They're on YouTube or whatever. There's way too much content on YouTube to ever consume, right? That's what makes Asmund Gold kind of popular, isn't it? He isn't it reacts insane? to other people's stuff, yes. basically. Yeah. Isn't it insane that his videos reacting to people's stuff do better than the original content? <laughs> yeah, there is something pretty, pretty so funny. weird and wrong with that. Funny. Maybe it's a good thing, though. I mean, maybe it boosts people up. I don't know. It's a totally different world, though. Um, but yeah, so just calling back to that. Um, you know, I have I can imagine a, 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 any creator um, looking at a situation like that and having having a feeling of one way or another about, no, this isn't right. This isn't, we need to think about this in a different way. Um, but maybe deciding whether or not to actually put something out there. And you decided to step up and actually put something out there, a response. Um, I want to ask you, uh, what made, what, what kind of, uh, motivated you to do that? Uh, I think, you know, it's one of those things where I hadn't made content in a very long time. Uh, reaction videos take very little editing, which I used to love to edit. Nowadays, I, I just don't have the same passion for it mm -hmm. to learn more than the very basic editing that I do or that I've ever done, I guess. Um, and there were a number of topics within his video that he was trying to address, both positively and negatively, uh, just in general on how some Redditors or some people on the internet view entertainers, streamers, YouTube video makers and the like, you know, and there's there's a lot of these weird semi memes, semi fallacies that go along with, um, you know, oh, this person did this for clickbait, which is one of my, you know, it's, there's there's a reason there's a song about me getting triggered by Reddit because the nonsense, which is I think what I called the video, mm -hmm. um, the nonsense that goes on is just so silly to, to use a polite term and um i don't know i guess his video his video just struck a particular chord where it's one of these things where i think everybody's been where he was at that level of frustration mm -hmm. with a particular video in a, in a series that he was and i wasn't even really watching his series necessarily nothing against wp i love him but mm -hmm. i wasn't necessarily watching his video it was just some of the comments left by people like oh he's just doing it for clicks and it's like, of course, every video ever made is done for clicks. They want you to click the video. They want you to. I mean, it, it just seems like common sense. Right and, yet, 
this yeah this video this stream right here you know everybody wants you to click their video their stream their content they want you to see it that's why they made it mm-hmm. you know um and for some reason there's this negative connotation attached to the fact that they want to draw you in to get clicks and some creators get it worse than others uh some creators embrace it like linus tech tips like sure. one of the I mean, he can be super duper clickbaity, like most of the videos, right? And yet he's got millions and millions of followers who right. just sort of accept it. And yet in other places, Guild Wars 2 specifically, but many, many, many other games, if you do anything that's clickbaity, they like turn on you and want to devour you for some reason. And I just yeah. don't understand that. It's like they're looking for an, an opening, a weakness of some kind to pounce on you. Yeah, and, and I actually cut a large portion from the video where I went off on a tangent about monetization and how that's an even bigger demon than wanting clicks for your video, for God's sakes. People don't realize that a lot of people do this. They do it because they enjoy it, because they have fun, mm-hmm. but they do it for money as well. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to get paid for entertaining other people. Yeah, But for a- some reason, if you try to do that or advertise it on Reddit or other, even on the official forums, well, that's a big no-no. People really hate that. And and if they feel like they were clickbaited into a video, mm-hmm. you know, and don't get me wrong, there's some very egregious clickbaiting that happens on YouTube, that happens on the internet. But what WP was doing was not egregious clickbaiting. And it's, it's nonsense to sort of suggest otherwise. Right, right. You know, it's interesting that you, you relate the the complaining about doing something for clicks to like the idea of oh just doing something for money i mean maybe those maybe 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 those ideas are connected um one of the things that i immediately connected in my brain when you said that uh because we mentioned asmongold earlier so it was kind of top of mind i guess but a while back he did a i guess not that not that long ago he did a um a little one of those little candid videos talking about how he feels about twitch's intent to force advertisements into people's streams who don't uh, take them proactive, who don't uh, put in ads proactively. And his basic complaint was big company, evil, bad, want money, bad. Um, I mean, no likey. Um, sure. And don't get me wrong. I, I think there's levels of, I, I think there's different levels of greed or, or whatever that, like, mm-hmm. if you see an ad on anything that I put out there, 99% of the time, I had nothing to do with that ad appearing. Except for maybe some of the Let's Plays where I'll put an ad in the middle or something, you know. But regardless, YouTube or Twitch, if you especially Twitch, if you see ads popping up, that, that, that had nothing to do with me. I didn't make that happen. That's Twitch. Um, and don't get me wrong. At the end of the day, they need to make money, and they make a good percentage of money off of their non-popular streamers because people like Gold and the more popular guys get a much better cut from... Uh, Twitch than right. the smaller people, even even Mighty Teapot, who was much bigger than either one of us, mm. you know, they get a much larger cut from him than say Asmund Gold, who they give a much better deal to. Which I mean, of course, it makes sense. It's just business. Mm. But anytime you interject money into anything that has to do with online entertainment, oh, that's for some reason that is such a big no-no. It's just like. I see this a lot on Twitter as well. Now, I don't use Facebook, but I imagine it's rampant there as well. But if you're an artist who puts art out there and you expect to get paid for it, you are literally the devil. Like, you are not allowed to ask for money. And it's just such a, it's a ridiculous thing. You created it. It's yours. Of course, you should be able to 
make money off of that and people should ask your permission and you should, you know, get your comeuppance. But I don't know. There is a very large and it feels like it's large. Maybe it's not, but it feels like it's a very large vocal subsect of the Internet that thinks that making money off of entertainment is wrong. <laughs> I don't yeah. know where it started, but it, it's very prevalent to me. Yeah. I wonder how those people pay their rent. Do they work for it? Yeah, no, of course. Everything's free. They they do it all for free. <laughs> yeah. It's it's I mean, so silly to me, you know. Yeah, I mean I'm right there with you, man. I feel the same way. I mean, I I also hate ads, but my response to it is business is gonna be a business. I think if you look at an easy way to forecast what will happen with Twitch is just to look at YouTube, probably. YouTube is a much bigger platform in general yeah. and they embraced ads a long time ago. I, I think too though. I think there's a better solution than the one that Twitch initially represented. Okay. I think there's a there's always a middle ground that can be reached. Um, you know, if you're a partner, I'm not a partner, I'm just an affiliate. Uh, but if you're a partner, they could have worked something out with you, like you need to run one ad an hour or something like that in order to upkeep your. And people would still freak out. Don't get me wrong. But you choosing when to run the ad and what ad you're running sits much better with the creator than just forcing an ad onto people. And there was another thing recently too, where smaller creators, uh, if you didn't get rated with X number of people, the raid doesn't show up, even if you have software that says it should show up or something. Yeah, Twitch had another thing real recently. I think they went back on that one too, because that's just ridiculous. If you're a small streamer, how are you supposed to grow if a friend or if somebody's just trying to be polite and they're like, look, I only have two or three viewers, but I'm going to raid so-and-so. It's yeah. just a fun thing to do. And it, and it's a culture that they started that now they're trying to say, well, for tiny streamers, it's not really important. Don't, you know, don't bother. They don't really that. care about the tiny streamers. But yeah, those two or three viewers could double the audience of a lot of people. Like, that's, that's a it's big deal. It's better than streaming to nobody. <laughs> you know? Streaming to one person <laughs> is so much better than streaming to nobody. It's, it's a it's, world of difference. What's really funny... What's really funny to me is back um, – now, I, I've been with Twitch since the Justin TV days. Damn. And I think back then I was I, – I had a totally different channel. It's not the channel I had now. Mm-hmm. I had a totally different channel, and I used to stream PvP with the MMORPG Rift. Okay. And it was terrible. Oh, my God. It was so bad. I, I had dubstep playing, and I oh, thought yeah. I was being witty and funny. And I, I might I maybe had one or two viewers once in a while, but ninety-nine percent of the time I was talking to myself. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, everybody has to sort of start from nowhere kind of, but man, it was so bad. <laughs> it was really bad. Well, you gotta be bad before you can be good, right? And that's the funny thing too about asking for money for free content. Like, um, you know, Twitch is that's what it is. Uh YouTube too is starting to go that way too with like subscriptions. Uh, I mean sorry. I'm not sure what what they call it in YouTube land, but it's kind of like a Twitch subscription equivalent. You can throw someone right, five bucks yeah, a month. join join their whatever. Right, yeah. join them, uh, and together rule the galaxy as father and son. No, um, but yeah, because when you start off, if you suck, you probably don't deserve anyone to throw money at you. Um, it's it's funny. I'm actually going through a little bit like of a of a, a moment like that on my own my own stream because. Um, I, I actually rode this wave, like, so I guess it was six months ago now, where a small community um, of people who play a game called Team Fortress Classic um, came back out of nowhere after not having any organized games for years and years and years. 
and I, I broadcasted one of the first games and I had a wave of, subscri of subscriptions and subscribers come into my stream. Um, and then, you know, people went back to their lives eventually. It kind of lives on, but in a much quieter state. And, and so too have my subscriber numbers. Um, but, you know, I, I had a few months there. I feel like, oh man, I'm the shit. Like I'm, I'm earning this baby. I know what I'm doing. Now, now I'm looking at it, I'm like, damn, I'm actually like, I feel like I'm better at what I, at what I do than, than, than I was back then, but there's a lot less coming back to me. Um, and it's hard to know like what the, the, the threshold is for, for asking people. And cause that the reality of having a reaction like that to be like, oh, well, your content is worth my time, but not my money as, as an adult who works. And maybe that's the key distinction. I don't know. But as an adult who works, that concept is so weird to me. It's tough. It's tough. Um, Twitch is not that different than, and, and I don't know, you know, I'm in Canada, so I don't know, uh -huh. um, in the U S I was born and raised in the U S but I haven't lived there in many decades. Okay. I don't, so I'm not, I'm not as familiar in the U S as I am in Canada, but in Canada, it's not uncommon to see people on street corners out front of the beer store or LCBO, the liquor store, or in front of a mall singing a song or playing an instrument, or there was a girl doing, um, dance the other day like mm -hmm. uh, like ballerina type dancing the other day and they street always performers. have a little yeah street performers basically yeah and they have a cup out there and uh there's also people who uh there's a guy locally who he does wood carvings with a magnifying glass and the sun mm -hmm. like into pieces of wood you know and he's <laughs> that's and he, cool he sells that stuff yeah it's cool that's a niche town um, right there but but i mean like they're there they're providing an entertainment and people who enjoy it have the opportunity to throw in a buck or two if they want to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't see Twitch, I don't see Twitch or even YouTube as that different to mm -hmm. me. You know, you're you're there per, you're there to entertain. Um, you know, if you want to go, you know, if you're looking for let's say doctor disrespect level of eliteness in a particular game in a shooting game or something, okay, that's one thing because he has a particular skill set, he's very good. Or if you want to watch Ninja because he's very good at Fortnite, for example, you know, that's one level of entertainment. Mm -hmm. The rest of it, the, the 90% or the 99% is all about connecting with the streamer that you're watching, that you have some relation to, or you feel like you have some relation to, and maybe, maybe even chat with. But you're there for the entertainment. You're there for the interaction. You're not necessarily there to see Zelda complete it in two minutes or something. Do you know what I mean? So there's a high skill level that obviously attracts if you have it, which I don't, but if you have it, then mm -hmm. you can expect to make probably a certain amount of money, especially if you can uh, connect with people well. The rest of it is pure entertainment. It's like a stand-up comedian or street performer or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But all of those people should get paid if they're entertaining. Yeah, if you're providing online, a service that's valued. Right. But online, it... It doesn't. It doesn't seem to correlate all the time. It doesn't seem to cross over quite as well. You know what I always wonder about is like what percentage of those complaints are just from from children who don't ha or aren't in, in control of their own money. You know what I mean? I don't. Honestly, I don't know. I, I, on the really, you know, it, it really does depend on your audience. And in WP's uh -huh. case, I don't think like in Ninja's case. Okay. He probably has a vast majority of teenagers and children. In Wooden Potato's case, I don't think they're children. I think they're twenty-somethings or maybe even thirty-somethings who are his big part of the audience. Right. You would hope that by the age of twenty-five or more, and maybe they're twenty-two or twenty-three, and they're just getting their 
but you would hope that they would have a little bit more sensibility and composure and I don't know, nicety about themselves to be able to offer constructive criticism without just saying, how does somebody who makes videos for a living make mistakes? Yeah. Have, have you never worked a day in your life? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know anybody who's never made a mistake at their job. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's just ridiculous to assume that he's going to be infallible or that mm -hmm. anybody's going to be infallible. Um, you know, you might say, you know, so, and some of their complaints, don't get me wrong, some of their complaints are like, oh, he should have done more research on this or he, he should have done. And I think that's a valid complaint or I think that's a valid criticism. But the way in which they word it and the way in which they hold themselves above the creator that they're criticizing is ridiculous when they don't have a catalog themselves of anything, of one video, nevertheless, a thousand. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I think part of it, like I said earlier, I think part of it for that video was I've never been as big or as popular as Wooden Potatoes, but I can still relate to the criticism, the harshness, just the silliness and ridiculousness of how people can react to something they paid nothing for that was just literally free content. They might even have ad blockers, so they didn't even see an ad. Forget that, <laughs> you know, and, and yet they're. I don't know, man. They they just really bite into certain people and really just take it way too far in some right. cases. Yeah, interesting. And there's also the another dynamic here, which is one that's completely internal to the Guild Wars 2 subreddit. Um that's a bit of that's a bit of an X factor, I imagine. Different communities have shake out different ways. Um I, I just want to say too, like it's yeah. not just Guild Wars 2. You know, Guild Wars 2 I've been involved with with for a number of years in a okay. community level. But, you know, within the last year and a half or so, I've been really into like Magic the Gathering. It's mm -hmm. it's just as bad, if not worse, in some cases and in some areas. Hmm. Um, People just plan or, I, I was, I was going to say Planet Side 2, but uh, Destiny 2, for example, uh -huh. it's not any different. You know, you start playing it and you're you slowly get into the community and you realize that it's not the same people, but it's the same attitude that is exuded from these people um, within the forums, within the game, within yeah. the community itself. Yeah. Sometimes I think about the types of people who self-select into actually going to Reddit first off, seeking it out, and then reading the posts, reading the comments, and then actually actually replying to those comments. If you think about it in terms of like a marketing funnel, it's actually kind of a long funnel. Most people who start down the path of being interested in a game outside the game itself don't get as far as posting a comment. Um, so that Im immediately kind of in implies to me that what gets posted as comments are not necessarily accurate reflections about people who play the game. Just they're accurate reflections about people who want to post comments about games. I think that most of those people either have or are still deeply embedded within that game or that community and they've mm -hmm. been there forever like some of the people leaving comments to him that he responded to mm -hmm. they're they're from they're they're set if you're on the reddit they're semi-familiar names lone on me is have, a name that i definitely know yeah who have been there forever who have been extolling their uh you know who they've been giving their opinion as fact since forever and so their on brand and so yeah 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 and <laughs> there was one comment where I, I really would have to go back and look at my own video or his video, but there was one comment about people being big parts of the community, and they didn't specify, 
but they made it sound like Reddit. You could be big on Reddit, but and and that was be being big in the community. Uh, and I don't see that. I don't see how that relates either, because was, it, was that related to the accusation of of WP being kind of in his own silo, like in his own bubble? Yeah, yeah. It was about him being in his own bubble, and uh -huh. um, I, I really shouldn't. I, I shouldn't. I shouldn't talk too much about it without seeing the the right in front of me. Right, but. It was it was insinuating that um, some of these people on Reddit are super big parts of the community, and I mean I'm not trying to yuck somebody's yum or whatever the saying is that the kids say nowadays, <laughs> but that's just ridiculous. You know to think that Reddit is some large part of the community, it just it just isn't. It's it's it may be a very vocal subsect of the community, for sure, but. As far as being a large part of the community, I really don't think so. Twitch is a large part of the community. YouTube is even a smaller part of the community nowadays. Yeah. Um, you know, Twitch is where it's at as far as that. That and maybe the official forums is where official forums. Uh, which which is a joke. I know the official forums are a joke. They always have been for almost any game. But, that's the case, though. It's not. not yeah, cool. Because they're they're so heavily policed, right? That's why people love Reddit so much because it's not. Yeah. At least they can they can almost do anything and, and say whatever they want, pretty much for the most part. Mm -hmm. But uh, Twitch really is the epicenter of Guild Wars 2 as far as people known in the community or something like that um, outside of the game itself, which, you know, if you're into structured PvP or if you're into World vs. World, both of those and depending on the server for World vs. World, both of those have their own like mini um communities within themselves mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um like teapot is way more connected in that stuff than i ever was knowing who fast car is and who yeah. this guy is and who that you know he'll bring up a name and i'm like who i, I have no <laughs> idea who you talk and he'll be like how can you not know so and so they're so you know they're so ridiculous or whatever it's like right i, I didn't know yeah yeah i'm big in world v world big on twitch big on reddit you know i noticed that like for me um I basically started doing this podcast and trying to trying to be out there at the start of this year. I noticed a hard turn for me where I went from being an active reader and poster on Reddit, um, an, an active uh, commenter on Reddit, and always following Guild Wars, whether, whether or not I'm playing the game. I'm you know just kind of watching it from the outside, which I think a lot of people do. I noticed that when I started making videos and doing streams, that I stopped doing Reddit comments. Because for me, it felt like this is a much better way to do that, to get my, my ideas out there and to get what's in me out there. And going to, to Reddit, to me, started to feel like just a waste of time. Why would I waste time posting something there just to get the effect that I've seen over the last few years from it, which is like maybe every once in a while, something that's, that, that matters to you, that you expressed well, actually resonates with the community and gets upvoted. But I mean... Is even if that does happen, so fucking what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 interesting. Um, I think that once you start making videos, first of all, I th number one, I, myself included, I think a, a lot more people can express themselves better video formats, spoken word rather than written word. It's definitely different. Yeah. Um, I also think that once people start making videos, they're surprised at how easy it is to make a video. To do mm -hmm. a simple edit, cut this out and bring this together and, you know, maybe fade the transition a little bit or, mm -hmm. or whatever the case is, or even more basic than that. Uh, I, you know, when I started making videos, I was using Microsoft's 
I don't even think does it exist anymore. It, it didn't even come with the newest Windows, but it was like Microsoft's um, video editor or something. Is it the one that has the timeline that goes across multiple lines on the screen? That one? Maybe it, it was such a. It was basically you couldn't really do a lot of editing with it, mm -hmm. but I could cut out sections I messed up <laughs> and like drag it in, and it was good enough for a basic video. Yeah, you know? yeah. If you I use that for like, stuff. I mean, I use that for like a year. When I first started making videos, you know, it's it's uh, so it's it's you know, it, I think once people start making videos or maybe get over their fear of talking to a camera or talking mm -hmm. to nobody, basically, you, you know, you're talking to yourself most of the time. Um, yeah, I, I, it's just an easier way to express yourself than typing out three paragraphs on Reddit that maybe one person will read and the rest of Reddit will skim over and or stop reading after the first sentence and just ignore right. you. Right. Or downvote you into oblivion because rather than use the upvote and downvote for what it's oh, meant man. for, they they use it to um, they use it as a like and dislike, which is not what I agree. Those I disagree. For. Nobody uses it correctly. It, it, it makes me think that it's just shit design, and they should just take the downvote button out. Um, I was actually then, listening then, to someone who I then really. How would they, but then how would they downvote you into oblivion so that they don't have to look at your post for the day? Yeah, or how would I downvote someone I don't like into oblivion? Screw Basically, this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was actually listening to someone who I really respect out there on on YouTube the other day. He was like, "Well, the way that Reddit, the way that I, the way that I use Reddit is I have all stuff I agree with and I download stuff I disagree with." And I'm like, "No, I'm yelling at the screen. No, what are you doing? You're supposed to be one of the enlightened ones." Yeah. Um, for those who don't know, <laughs> like an, the up arrow, you're supposed to use the up arrow when it is. Um, about the topic that you're talking about. Relevant. You only when it's relevant. You only use the down arrow when it's a tangent or not relevant to the topic of the subject. But people use it as a, as a dislike, basically. And it's always been that way. Yeah. Might as well put a thumb on it. Yeah. I, I don't know why they don't. I mean, I guess they don't have to because people just use it as upvote, downvote anyway. Yeah. And can't like in individual subreddits also like theme their own their own stuff? To yeah. I, yeah. I think so. I think yeah. so, man. Yeah, not something I ever got into or needed to get into. Thankfully, you know, mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. I could care less. Yeah, uh, but you know, all the same, like talking about Reddit comments, it is it is a lot easier to write a Reddit comment than it is to make a video, even if video creation is easier than people think. Um, you know, you learn to sure. express yourself yeah. verbally when you write essays in school, which everyone pretty much everyone does. Everyone should, but. <laughs> I don't wow. know if everybody does. Everyone goes through the motions. Everybody should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, and it's it's one of these things, too, like, this is a bit of a tangent, but uh -huh. I hear a lot of people say that they're very camera shy or that they're, uh, they, a lot of people don't like turning the camera on to show your face, which, you know, WP is established, like, that's just a thing with him. And Have they seen our faces? Yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way I feel whenever I hear people say that. Go on, sorry. But, as somebody who used to do a lot of public speaking, mm. oh. it's not even close to the same as public speaking to a room full of people. Do you know what I mean? Like it, yes. it's, and, and maybe that's why the camera never affected me because I'm literally speaking to just the camera, which is an inanimate object. I mm -hmm. don't, it doesn't bother me, but um, some people have a real fear of the camera and showing themselves, whether that has to do with insecurity or just maybe nervousness in, in talking or whatever. But um yeah, I don't know. If you're interested in this sort of thing, just just turn the camera on. Just do it. It's really it's really not a big deal. You'll and people like seeing you. Used to it. 
even if you're yeah, disheveled, I, however you are. It's, it's very, it's a lot more difficult to engage an audience and to create a community without a camera than it is to have a camera. People want to see who they're connecting to, what yeah. you look like. It doesn't even if you don't look like a model or something, that that doesn't matter. I mean, it helps if you do, but if you don't, that doesn't matter. You you can look, you know, you can look like me, and and people really don't care. You're always going to get mean comments. It doesn't matter what you look like. I don't care if you're a rock star or something. You're going to get mean. I mean, they get probably even worse comments, but yeah, you're always going to get some mean comments. You're going to, you know, and I'm very terrible at this myself. You're going to have to grow a bit of a thicker skin than maybe you're used to having. But um, you just remember that they're just jerks on the Internet. That they're yeah. nobody. It doesn't that doesn't matter. You ban them and you move on, you know. Right. And at the risk of spinning another tangent too. um, People who I think that this this is really tough for is women, by and large, who want to be oh, on Twitch. Big time, big time. Because so many, I, I think thirsty is the correct, you know, techno youth term. That's the official so many, term. So many men are thirsty out there. It's it's crazy to it's crazy to me, but you know they they see a woman who they find attractive, um, and they just hound them. You know what I mean? You show a little yeah. cleavage, well your thought you know um you have a certain setup or a bubbly personality your thought uh you're if you wear a shirt like this up to your neck well then i guess you're approved you know what i mean you cannot make any you cannot make them happy no matter what you do and mm -hmm. you're almost always likely to get a comment on your appearance doesn't matter what the hell you're wearing you know what i mean mm -hmm. um i get comments once in a while oh you're fat you know I haven't heard that one before, but to get constantly bombarded on a daily basis, that that's another level and uh, certainly not something I've had to ever experience or deal with. Yeah, I kind of feel the way you do about it. Like people look the way they look. People are going to say bad things about you. That's just part of being in the world. If you try to avoid negative comments and negativity in general, you're going to you're putting yourself into a world that doesn't reflect reality. Um the same though, I do have a I do have a special sympathy in my heart for the non-majority groups out there trying to be, be out there on camera. Um, I think I saw a very interesting moment in another Guild Wars two streamers kind of Twitter timeline. Uh, Girl Wars, who's you know whose star is rising, she's doing great, um, and she said that the words she was banning the word simp from her community and her Twitch chat. <laughs> And she said that that was oh, because whenever she would have real life friends who were excited for her for for her success and for her stream show up in her stream, if they were male and they acted friendly like they knew her, they were immediately accused of being simps by the chat. So in that case, it wasn't even about her; it was about her right. friends. And I guess it yeah. does reflect on her. But um, I think it's just it's a sad part of reality. It's a sad part of Twitch culture and Twitter culture. And probably Facebook, but again, I I refuse to go to Facebook. You and um, uh, it's a virus I don't need on my computer in my life. <laughs> I only keep it for my wife. And, and you know what? Twitter is getting just as bad. Um, it's paving its way. Oh my gosh! So like, I, it, it used to be not like they started doing the promoting things again. Sorry guys, another totally random tangent, but. They started doing the promoting thing and you could like block and ignore for a little while and they would let up. Mm -hmm. It's constant now. It, it's like I'll go to like look at my Twitter timeline for the day and every other tweet is promoted by something. 
yeah. something promoting something else on Twitter. And I used to just block them every day. I didn't care what company it was. I don't care if it's Intel, NVIDIA, something I might be interested in. I don't care. I'm blocking it. Mm-hmm. I, now I just mute it. I, I I just mute everything, which does the same thing as blocking anyway. So, okay. but yeah, I basically stopped using Twitter on my phone for that reason. It's just silly, man. And the promotion, if you have it on your phone, every time they promote something, ping, ping. It's just like, oh, who's talking to me? Nobody. It's it's a promotion from, you know, Great Energy Southwest or something. Why do I care? Those notifications, man, are unreal. I just uh, got a, um, my wife signed us up. I'm not sure how I feel about this, by the way, but my wife signed us up for some auto program with our auto, their auto insurance where we put a tracker in our car. We connected to the Bluetooth on our phones. And if we're, if we're nice drivers and we don't break too hard, we, we may, we'll get a discount on our auto insurance. Um, you know, we're going to try. And in theory, that sounds fantastic. Uh-huh. What happens when you mess up that one time or you're not being conscious and you're thinking about it? What if you accidentally, I mean, it happens. What if you accidentally speed? They're going to know. Are they going to dock you then? Like, yeah, I don't know exactly how that works. But or what if they have a stop sign in their in their map? Yeah, it, in, the, in, their, in their digital map, it doesn't exist in the real world. Do I get right. for speeding yeah. through a fictional stop sign? I mean, yeah, like there's a lot of what ifs. Here's the other thing I question too: is what are they doing with that data? Because yes. they ain't—they're not yes. keeping it themselves. They're selling it to somebody. Yes. They're gonna say, "Hey, D goes to this place all the time, or he this is the route <laughs> he takes every day, or whatever the case is." Right? That data is out there for either a somebody to steal because you know their servers ain't secure enough. You hear about a data breach every week from somebody mm-hmm. or two, who are they selling it to? And that's the same thing with Twitter too. Every time you click or interact with a promotion, that data is being recorded and sold to somebody else. They're skimming your account for all the interactions you do, <clears throat> you know, hashtag I love Trump or hashtag I hate Trump. All of that is being sold to somebody. Yeah. And um, I watch a podcast every week called level one text and they they talk about this a lot they highlight it a lot and it's mm-hmm. i don't think most people realize the data that is being collected about you on a daily basis mm-hmm. for everything that you do mm-hmm. sold to somebody else and or regurgitated back to you to sell you something they want to sell you right and that's the like the benign use of that data is it's just used to sell yeah. stuff to you yeah, to make yeah. your ad experience that's the, that's the nice accurate. use of the data <laughs> yeah and the thing that fucks me up about it is like Okay, yeah, maybe, okay, so someone has my data, my driving data, whatever. And like I said, my wife and I are doing this as an experiment. And by the way, she signed this up. She signed this up for this without asking me about it. So it might not last. We'll see. Uh, But what fucks me up about it is like, okay, maybe I know where the data is this year. It's on the insurance company's servers. But what if the insurance company goes under? Where's the data then? Or where's the data going to be in 20 years? When I'm when I'm trying to apply for for credit on you know a, a, a new for a new vehicle, did did this data pass through certain hands that that didn't get stopped because the way that we regulate data in this country is is based on sending faxes? Uh, it's worse in North America than it is in Europe, which is really bad for us because yeah. I think we're both in North America. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I'm outside of Seattle. You know, I, it's don't get me wrong. Europe has its own set of problems, but they're a little bit more privacy minded than any of North America. <laughs> Live free, man. You know, it's this year because of how crazy and wonky it's been. Um, I think I think within the next five years, people are going to 
come to the realization that the ring doorbells and all their Amazon this, that, and the other, their Amazon Echoes and, and whatever it is, it's really going to bite somebody in the ass. There's an intangible and, cost. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. Um, I, I was reading an article the other day about, you know, those 23andMe and the other DNA profiles. Yeah. You send them off and you find out, hey, I didn't know I was part Indian or whatever. Right. And that's really cool. That's really cool to find out like your family's origins and history and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. they used that data from a variety of those companies to create a new um, forensic profiling tool that can now determine with your DNA what race you are, what gender you are. They can find the subsect of your family. So let's say let's say <clears throat> let's say I went to jail for something for tax evasion. Let's say I went to jail for, it, and of course mm -hmm. they, um, I think violent. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's white collar crimes, but but uh, let's say armed robbery. They're gonna they're gonna get your DNA when you go into the jail system. Sure. I go into the jail system. My nephew commits a crime twenty years later. They can actually find, and, and he's not in the system, but they can find him via. DNA mm -hmm. because we have a familial relation. Yeah. Um, but they they grew this database from those 23 and me and those other those other DNA applicants out there, which, you know, I said from the start, you know, they're collecting all that data. They're not throwing it away. You send them your DNA. You don't think that's cataloged and stored in a computer somewhere? Of course it is. Of course it is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and don't get me wrong. If you're not breaking the law, you have nothing to worry about. But you also. Eh. You do you, though. Well, that's the argument, you also right? Didn't, you also didn't really give them permission to store your DNA or share it with other people or whatever. Yeah. Although data... maybe you signed that away. I, I don't know because I've never done it. But yeah, both officially and culturally, I think that there's we don't understand the value of data. Um, no, no. I mean, even the people who are collecting it does. A small, a small subsect does because they use it to gain power, money, and so forth. But the the ninety nine percent of the population has no idea. I mean, even me, who is tiny, tiny, tiny bit of educated on the subject, um, just has no just has no idea how mm. dangerous all that stuff is. Um, and the and the newest thing beyond that, the DNA profiling I was talking about is facial recognition. Yeah. And how they're using they called it something else too facial actual actual I can't say the word actualization or something, um, but yeah, you know, you know, the the facial profiling and stuff is happening and it's just getting better and better with technology. Do you think we'll catch up? Do you think that we'll we'll culturally come to understand, hey, here's what we're actually doing when we when we agree to store a cookie on our computer or when we agree to send driving data to our insurance company? I don't know. I I don't think so. Not anytime soon. Because like you said, um a lot of people don't realize that cost when they want the ease of convenience for life. Mm -hmm. It seems like a great idea for you to be able to connect your smartphone to your refrigerator, to your television, to whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And say, oh, uh, here's my grocery list. What am I missing from my fridge? My fridge will send me a, a text or something that says you need to pick eggs up. Mm -hmm. And But people, just because you have that comfort, of, you know, that the life comfort or whatever it's called, um, the system of things, mm -hmm. so, yeah, whatever. I, I forget what the technical term is for it, but um, that people don't realize what the intangible cost is for all that. Right, and the value that data changes over time. It changes with who's holding it and their sophistication in 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 using it. Right. Yeah, just to bring this around to 
elections in the U.S., which oh, are boy. very heated, um, you know, they have a good idea of how you're going to vote before you even vote. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's it's so it's so solved. Sorry, that's my cat. That's okay. It's so solved. It's kind of crazy uh, and scary. And I, you know, I think they probably made a billion movies about this already, or Black Mirror episodes, or, or whatever TV shows out there that covers that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But people sometimes just think that's okay. Well, that's just television. That's just science fiction. But a lot of that stuff is happening yeah. in real time, and they don't realize it. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is real. And uh, people are paid a lot of money to push the boundaries of that of that technology and that understanding. Um, I mean, hell, I, I work in data myself. I see that kind of stuff every day. That stuff floating by my by my desk like that. I think I don't know if I wanted to know that. Um, and I mean, it took how long did it take people to like take the idea of hey, lay, laying down on the ground at night kind of sucks. Let's try. Let's find a cave. And then hey, Help caves are cool when you can find them, but they're not always in the best spots. Let, let's let's make a cave out of rocks and wood or whatever. I'm gonna call it a house and the, this, the value this of into, I mean that's really deep down the rabbit hole on the whole evolution and and uh, well, it because just, I have it just a, takes because so I have much a, time. Go ahead. It does and it doesn't. Um, if you if you think about the 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 boom of humanity as it were, mm-hmm. um, the level of technology that we've gone through from the 1800s till now is astounding in a lot of ways yeah um just you know take a small subsect of that and just look at the the age of computers that we live in today Mm. you know when when i was a kid the internet was just a whisper it was just a whisper of things it barely existed it certainly didn't have a it didn't have a graphical user interface that's for sure Mm -hmm. um and it certainly i don't think it ever had an envision of what it is today as to what it started as the, the mm-hmm. you know the seed that it started as but you know I, I look at my nephew and nieces and stuff today and they're more proficient with cell phones and tablets and all all that kind of stuff at a young age than i probably will ever be comfortable with unless mm-hmm. i really wanted to deep dive into my cell phone which i don't but um it, it's just it's just incredible just in my tiny lifetime the this the leaps and bounds uh, i i follow a guy named tech deals mm-hmm. very cool he likes to talk about sort of uh not only good tech deals but he likes to talk about the history of computers and stuff and you know the first computer i ever bought with my own money was uh, an intel chip it was a dx33 33 megahertz chip nice. and today we're with one core with one thread and today you're talking about chips that have 64 cores and you know 120 threads yeah, and 500 yeah. megahertz or 5 gigahertz and mm. it's and and ram you know the the ram usage and storing you know linus has pentabytes of storage which is a number most people can't fathom what a pentabyte is yeah you know they're, they're still stuck on uh Giga. you know gigabytes gigabytes are hard to envision honestly but i started with kilobytes or even less than that maybe yeah. Yeah. like a billion but yeah bytes. i don't know if, if, you, if you look bytes? at it, if you yeah if you if you look at just 100 years of technology mm-hmm. the boom is really quite incredible as for where we are and where we have yet to go obviously mm-hmm. uh, and in some ways i it's it's kind of like a cart before the horse act in a lot of these fields of science and in a lot of these fields of technology um 
I seen this thing last year from NVIDIA. Now you now you say NVIDIA, right? And you think graphics cards, GPU, FPS, video games. Right. But much much larger than that, the artificial intelligence, the AI that they're developing, NVIDIA makes a system that farmers can use, uh, horse horse breeders in particular, that will time everything for their horses. When to feed them, when to water them, when you need to brush them, if they haven't been brushed, if they haven't been walked, if they haven't been put out to pasture, the AI will take care of all of that for you and or just schedule it so that you can manually do it. But those systems exist where you don't even need to worry about if you have the money. You don't have to worry about that stuff anymore because the AI will take care of it and the AI can adapt to each individual horse's wants or needs because obviously each horse is going to be different in some ways it's going to vary and it can do a health checkup on the horse to say i don't know what horse problems are but <laughs> i'm not a vet but you know this horse has this particular problem or is showing signs of this particular problem you better call a vet or it will call the vet for you yeah damn i didn't know nvidia was in the horse game yeah horsing the horse game was just like one aspect of it they they had a bunch of different farming applications artificial intelligence in general they're heavily yeah, involved yeah. in yeah it, it's kind of fake artificial intelligence because it's still programmed by a human the program will then take the parameters you have set and learn from it but it's it's not you know it's not real it's not irobot you know what i mean it's not yeah, real it's not, artificial not intelligence general yet. artificial intelligence i think it's the term right it's, it, right it's just like a tesla's car right uh, there's like five or six different levels of auto autonomous driving we're at level two we need to be at level five or six before it's like super legalized or something like that. Mm -hmm. Right now, people are still sadly crashing into semis and stuff like that, right? Yeah. You're only at level two. You need to be paying attention even when it's auto-driving you. Yeah, paying attention. I, I got a buddy who has a, who has a Tesla, and he was taking pictures about how browsing Pornhub uh, on the display for it <laughs> while, while he was paying attention to the road. There was a story <laughs> last week, and I know we're so far off Guild Wars 2 right now. But Whatever. There was a story last week about I think they were in Calgary, uh, Canada. The, there was two, there was one or two people in the car. They were both sleeping. Uh -huh. They had the car on auto drive. They were on the highway, and they uh, not only did they have it on auto drive, but they had some kind of modular chip that broke the parameters of the regular Tesla protocols. Oh, like so you put your hands on the wheel and stuff. Well, there's certain protocols, uh, and I don't know what they all are, but there's certain protocols that you can't go above the speed limit. You can't do this. You sure. can't do that. So they they broke. There's chips out there. They hacked it. That they hacked it. They broke. They broke those protocols, which is illegal, by the way. Sure. Um, <laughs> they broke those protocols. They were speeding. When the cop flicked his lights on and started to pursue them, the, they were totally asleep. They had no idea. The cop pulls up alongside them and says. Well, nobody's driving the car. What, what's that all about? So the cop starts to, as the cop speeds up, the Tesla says, somebody's trying to gain speed on us. That's not what we have it set to. So the Tesla starts going faster. So now they're 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 having a, a car chase. The guys are sleeping, <laughs> the, don't even the know it. The world's first robotic car chase. Yeah, they, they don't even know it. Eventually, the guys wake up and they pull them over and everything like that. And there, there's several criminal charges that are happening right now but it's just like you can't just go to sleep that's not what that is for you know i know that's tempting but that's really not what it was People meant for will push and the boundaries if you're going to hack your car and disable this mode and disable that mode and 
like like for example, uh, there's a ludicrous mode, ridiculous, right? right? But there's a ludicrous mode that you got to pay. I don't know what it is, four to ten thousand dollars for or something like that. Well, if you hack the system, you can just unlock ludicrous mode. It's in the software, get, right? Yeah, of course. You'll just get more performance out of the car that you didn't pay for. It's like a microtransaction. Um, and if you did vehicle. pay for it, then they just unlock it through the software, and boom, you have the upgrade. You know what I mean? Um, there was a story about that as well, where somebody originally, and this is really dirty and underhanded by Tesla, they they went and refunded the guy's money, but the original Tesla, and I forget which one it was, but they sold this guy a Tesla car. He bought ludicrous mode. Mm-hmm. He ends up selling the car to a used car dealer. They turned ludicrous mode off. The car dealer sells Ooh. it to another guy, advertising it has ludicrous mode, which it doesn't anymore. And then Tesla turns it back on and charges the guy for ludicrous mode, which you're not allowed. To, they're not allowed to do that, by the way. There was a court battle over it, and Tesla had to give him back his money and, and all this kind of stuff. So but, Tesla is trying to make the argument that we sold a software license to a person, and that person still has yeah. the license, even if they don't own the car. Right, right. Oof. That failed in court, by the way, but that's what they tried to argue, that this guy didn't that's pay for ludicrous good. mode. The other guy paid for ludicrous mode, and so if you want that, you have to pay for that. I could see that going the other direction, though. I totally could see that going the other direction legally, where they say, um, you know, because um, that's the way software works now. Like, games. Like, if right, I buy a game on Steam, I can't buy, give it to a friend when I'm done. If you buy a Corvette, you bought a Corvette because it has these particular standards. Right. You don't buy a Corvette, sell it to the guy, and then buy a Chivette next time you go and because you didn't pay for the extra traction package or whatever. You know what, you know what I mean? What I can't wait for. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. You know what I can't wait for is when cars have like have like a adaptive surfaces so you can like show your own designs and change colors like based on your mood. And and for car and for the Teslas of the world to charge microtransactions for special car skins. And then we'll go we will have gone full circle, baby. You know, I I'm picking on Tesla here because obviously they're more, they're I think the more well-known electric car company out there but they're not the only ones doing this or trying to do things like this um you know uh gm has that other company called nicola which is a complete failure that's a whole other fiasco joke if you follow that yeah which is a weird reference to tesla because tesla is named after nikolai tesla right right so they you got one company named nikolai and you got it. Then you you have, of course, the famous Tesla. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> both making very different, but both making you know electric cars. Yeah, yeah. Well, my experience, my experience with electric cars was not so great. I'm not sure if you've ever driven one. Um, I had one of the the dumb ones, the non automated ones. My wife and I leased a, a Nissan Leaf for a few years. Man, that was a frustrating experience. Um, first off, we're, we're, I mean, I'm a big guy. You can see that. You know, she's she's not tiny either. It was way too small of a car for us. So that was our bad, dumb fuck up. But that car, uh, it didn't have the the battery technology that you have with modern Teslas. That car on a on a warm summery day on a full tank would get like sixty or seventy miles of normal normal driving, like you know, like ten percent highway, ninety percent city driving. And during the winter, it dropped by like fifty percent. So you get like forty miles. Uh, in the cold, um, I remember many days, and of course, I'm just like I'm I'm fucking lazy. So, w- w- what I have to do is I have to drive the car home, and we had a we had a garage where we literally plugged the car in um, to a normal outlet, and it took like you know eight ten hours to charge. 
Um, but of course, the garage is, is, is like nowhere close to where we actually live. So I try to avoid parking in the oh, garage geez. if, there's, if okay. there's enough charge. So what I what I do is um, I I get home after work and I'd be like, do I have enough juice for another round trip to work tomorrow? I bet I do. I bet I do. <laughs> and so I'll I'll get to work the next day and at, you know five six o'clock rolls around and it's getting dark outside or actually in the winter time it is dark in the Pacific Northwest at that time. And I'm driving home, and I'm looking at the, at the look, like, look at the fuel meter. I'm like, oh my god, this was really dumb. I really should have charged the car. And because the heat takes a, takes energy off the battery, I I'm driving home in like 25 degree weather with the windows rolled down, so I can see through the windows. And I have my jacket on backwards, you know, co- so the, like uh, it's it's covering my front. Like uh, man, anyway. That's that's my exciting times driving driving an electric. Now, now we drive a, a gas hog of a vehicle. We went the other complete other direction. Um, but yeah, Tesla definitely cool stuff. You know, need, that, needless or, to say, not just Tesla, but electric cars in general have come a long way since yeah. that since that car. But you're still going to run into the problem where you've been driving it for three or four days, and you're like, do I really need to stop and charge it? I don't I don't have time right now or I don't want to do it right now or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you're still gonna run into that. Also same the problem, charging right? network blows. Like if yeah. you can even, you can even work... Tesla's network, which is getting bigger all the time, but even then it's like I looked locally just to see if I could ever own one. Mm-hmm. Forget forget affording it. But um I think like the closest one is three miles away from my where I live. Mm-hmm. So it's like I'd have to drive three miles to then sit and charge it for however long it and takes. And wait in line because there's only yeah, three charging and, stations. Yeah. If it even works. The problem that my wife and I would commonly run into is these places, even like the dealership that sold us the car, we'd show up and their charging stations just wouldn't work. And I'd go knock on the door and be like, hey, you're like, I can't charge my car here. What's going on? Well, I guess it's broken again. We'll call the guy to come out and look at it. It's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, if, if if I owned, I live in a con, I live in a high rise building. Uh-huh. But if I if I own my own house, it would be different. I mean, I guess I could install my own. Yeah, that's a different kind of thing. and stuff, but mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I don't live in that sort of circumstance. And that that's all. But you know, besides all of this, Teslas are overpriced. It's the Apple of cars. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're, they you're you're paying yes it's cool technology i would love to own one don't get me wrong personally speaking sure. i know some people sure. wouldn't but you're paying extra for you know it's like apple you're paying that 28 percent on top of what you would pay you're for, the, for the logo for the the brand association yeah 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 and i think most people are aware of those kinds of things i actually converted my wife away from well for the most part away from apple products over the last few years um of course, she was a, a a Mac enthusiast before we met, and I slowly corrupted her over time. <laughs> it just works. <laughs> it just works until it doesn't. <laughs> and your husband has to fix it. and says, I don't know how to use a Mac. <laughs> um, they yeah, never get viruses. <laughs> right. Security by obscurity. Those, for, those commercials for, like, Chromebooks never get viruses. It's a little hogwash. Yeah, I just... I, I mean, people will say anything to sell you something, dude. And that that kind of uh, boy, I'm trying to trace this conversation back. I love tangents, though. This is fun. Um, so before we t- we're talking about gonna, electric cars, you're gonna have to do a hard reset, right? All the way back to games and because I, I go back to the wooden potatoes video, but man, that's a that's a that's a whiplash of a transition. So let me try to make it softer. Um, 
before Tesla's, we were talking about automation and data, right? And uh, before automation and data, we were talking about, um, I don't know, don't remember. It anyway, <laughs> yeah, um, when we were, all the way back in, in many years ago, when we were talking about the WP video, um, one thing that, that occurred to me, hearing you describe your your experience of going through and making the video and what your thoughts were and what something's put out there were is um I've been I've been consuming a lot of content lately by um a Harvard psychiatrist named Dr. Alo Kanogia. Have you heard of him? So he does a um he has a Twitch stream and a content platform called Healthy Gamer GG and the conceit of it is he's he's helping evangelize mental health for gamers. Um it's really fascinating stuff. Um this lecture series that I felt like completely described me in my 20s. And I thought to myself, man, where was this guy 15 years ago? Like I needed him. Um, and I, when I look at some of the, some of the uh, ways that people talk to each other on, um, in this kind of interactions with the, the Reddit and the WP video and all this stuff, I think about a lot of the things that he talks about um, and the common kind of traps that, not traps, the common kind of behaviors that people who are um, engaging with video games to the detriment of the rest of their lives can kind of look like. I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe it's like the pot calling the kettle black. You know, it's, it's interesting, like, you're, you bring that sort of topic up because um, in my 20s, mm -hmm. a long time ago now, but in my, in my 20s. You remember. Um I was definitely now. First of all, I had a very like I was in my twenties. I was very lucky. I was starting out on the right path, so to speak, and okay. building a career in pharmaceuticals. Um, but at the same time, I was highly engrossed in World of Warcraft. Oh man! Like early, early World of Warcraft, to the point where I was a hundred percent that person who would call out of work sick or schedule vacation time when a new expansion came Burning out. Crusade, some other. Man. Yeah, Burning, Burning Crusade, for example, um, and, and all that other kind of stuff. I had a raid night three times a week. It was like joining a bowling league or something. You know Progression, I mean? like, baby. Show up with Yeah, the... but mm -hmm. I spent, like, I, don't get me wrong. I have spent many, many hours in Guild Wars 2 and other MMOs since then, but in my early 20s, uh, it, early to mid-20s, I was fully hooked. I was on the train. I was skipping social engagements and so forth. To be, you know, exactly like that person that is described. Um, my life was World of Warcraft, and it was online in an mm -hmm. unhealthy way, very mm -hmm. much an unhealthy way. Yeah, I think that the distinction that, that this guy who I'm even talking about talk, uh, brought up, where how to it's how to answer the question: Is my gaming a problem? I think what he suggested was, if your gaming is preventing you from doing things in your life that you know you should be or want to do, then yeah. It probably is a problem. And I've been there, dude. Like I said, my 20s. I suspect we have maybe similar stories to share too, but I, I spent years of my life also um, engrossed in World of Warcraft and other games, honestly, um, when my life was falling apart around me, more or less. I mean, I eventually stopped playing WoW. And for me, like, I have went from a place where I was very... I was overly engaged with it. My life really changed at one point for reasons external to my to my own initiative. Um, and then 
over time, my life went on. I, I came back to gaming, but when I came back, like my life looked completely different. And, um, but even so, I would still is try to escape from games and try to escape from games and not get what I wanted and not move forward in my career the way I should or use it as a way to get away from problems rather than maybe facing them. And uh, that's, that's what one of the things that Dr. Kenosia talked about. I'm not sure if you relate to any of that stuff, but. Oh, well, I, 100%. I think most people yeah. who are ever going to listen to this on some level can definitely relate. I would also point out that that type of relationship with a with a video game and i've had it many times over mm-hmm. this is where and it, it doesn't make it it doesn't make it acceptable but when you have somebody who is passionate about a game um who reacts very knee-jerky or very heavy-handed when the developers do something they don't like it's because the game is literally their whole life it's because they this is where they go to escape if not escape way more than they should be. Mm -hmm. So when you have somebody who is that attached to a world, to, to an environment and you make change, you make drastic changes to that environment that, I mean, change, change in general is not well accepted by most people, but when you make drastic changes to something, to an environment that they are that engaged with, you are going to elicit crazy out of the normal responses, death threats and all that other craziness that comes along with that sort of thing that you see from these people. And I don't know how well that's ever connected for most people, but Mm. there's a strong correlation between that inappropriate behavior that is very rampant today. You see it, you know, devs are getting death threats and nonsense all the time. I think even worse than it's ever been. But as the world around you gets worse and crumbles, hello, 2020, you know, um, as that gets worse and as you get more attached and more depth into a world, I think there's a very strong correlation there as to why people react the way that they do when you're that attached to something. So if someone's world is small, then changes to that world can seem can have an outsized impact on the person. And I think it's going to get worse because... So many of us have been isolated this year, working from home now. So you're going out and socializing even less. You're not even going to the office for most people, not everybody, but but most people aren't even going to the office for that minor interaction you might have had before, good or bad. (laughs) Um, But you don't even have that interaction anymore. And so even more people are going to get lost in these worlds. And Mm -hmm when you take the world away or when you change it or, or, or whatever, you're going to have these very over the top, harsh, unrealistic reactions from people. And I think that's why like it, you know, this is not where we started the subject, obviously mm-hmm. I'm great at tangents, but um, you know, I think that that's going to be on the rise in the following year or two. Do you think that, I think you're right. Guild Wars 2 included, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Guild Wars 2 is, just another gaming community that manifests that 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 is a people call a home. People who manifest those behaviors call a home. Me too. Um, there was a, like a whole year of my life where my wife and I were were so like we had gone through some such hard shit the year before. We'd made such a push to get to a new place in our life, and we were so frankly traumatized by it. We spent a year, the two of us, just playing Guild Wars two, like seven eight hours a day together. That was how I fell in love with Guild Wars 2 um, and, and how I got her to appreciate video games. So that was that was a neat win on my part. 
get the non-gamer wife to play a game. Uh, so yeah, I mean, the way that I use video games looks totally different this year to me than it did last year. Has the way that you use video games changed, changed since those World of Warcraft days for you? Yeah, you know, every game becomes lesser and lesser of how how bad World of Warcraft was for me. Okay. Um, and for a while there, I was I was really encapsulated by Guild Wars 2. But for a different reason, not just because I was locked into the world, but because I was making content about that world as well. I was right. doing news releases, and, and like that takes it to another level of not only do I need to play the game X amount of hours, mm -hmm. a week, a day, whatever, but I also need to make content, and I need to make video, and I need to entertain people X amount of hours per day. <laughs> Your cat's uh, looking for some attention, huh? Yes, yes, he is. <laughs> what's uh, what's his name again? Leo. Leo. Mm -hmm. What's wrong, Leo? Hungry? I have a cat too, but I'm very fortunate that she is. Um, she's very quiet. I know a lot of people have have have. Uh, I, I hear people with with cats cats meowing, and for me, because for me, hearing my cat meow is kind of a treat. Like she's just so silent you think she's mute that when it comes out it's like oh it's like hearing a baby speak uh so hearing that it... is not leo <laughs> <laughs> that is the opposite of him old man leo <laughs> yeah that's funny how long have you been a cat owner a long time my uh my previous cat shira she was 20 right she, passed. she lived right. a long time and Rest she like yours shira. she was a very quiet cat you really didn't hear her that often up until like the last year or two of her life, she became uh -huh. very vocal, but she also went blind. So she, you know, uh. she, she was more vocal because of the blindness. Um, gosh, I don't know. Uh, 25 years wow. at least. Wow. That doesn't include being a kid. We had a, one or two cats as a kid. We had dogs as a kid, you know. Yeah, um, right. It, it, but, it was your parents owned the pet. You were just there. With yeah, them, yeah. 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 We just had to try and take care of it, sort of. Yeah, I, I grew up with dogs. I was always a uh, uh, my family was always a dog family. And then when I met my wife, um, we we oh god for a while we had a bird, dude. Oh my god, owning birds is for the birds. Um, we had a um, a cockatiel that needed so much attention to be happy. Tweet 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 chirp chirp chirp, and it wasn't cute. We got and then one day we heard about a cat prowling around begging for food around our apartment complex and my wife whose heart is just way too big for her um of course after seeing things posted for like a week just went out and, and looked for it and um she ran into someone who was feeding her and then they planned to to find the cat and my wife was going to bring bring her back uh, bring him or her back and you know just make sure it was warm because it was like christmas eve it was cold and so on christmas eve we brought home this cat and she never left um, and that's my lovely, quiet Sirsha. But after having the experience of having that pet, a cat who cats, of course, are very independent, right? They don't need a lot of attention. And, um, we realized that having a, having a pet shouldn't be a, a, a moment to moment life stress. And we, we rehomed our lovely bird. And that's how I went from being a dog person to being a cat person. We had, we had a parakeet oh. as, a, as a kid. <clears throat> A bu like a budgie. We had a budgie. Excuse me, not a parakeet. We had a okay. budgie as a kid, you know. I don't even know. That bird lived forever. Birds live a long time. Yeah, they do. Uh, I don't remember how long we had that budgie, but we had that budgie forever. And it 
it was i mean luckily it, it wasn't very attention seeking i mean it made noise and stuff but uh-huh. we fed it we talk budgies don't really talk you know they're not a talky bird but okay um the budgies are kind of the goldfish of birds i think you know probably because they're easy <laughs> right yeah yeah i guess we had one we never even had two or anything some people get two because you wanted to have yeah. a friend or whatever but we always had one and it hung between our kitchen and our living room growing up that bird lived forever i don't know mm-hmm. at least 15 years maybe more uh do you think that uh the cats need need friends or need a some some cat? do and some don't i think leo needs friend he misses uh well we got when he was a kitten we had a dog okay now that he's a grown cat, we had a dog and a cat when we got him as a kitten. Mm-hmm. And now, unfortunately, you know, as t- as life goes on, right. he's the only one left. So now he wants all the attention between, mm. you know, me and my wife. Yeah, I can hear that. Well, it, it, he's not too loud. He's not bother- bothering me at all. I just uh, I like to talk to people about their cats. Well, and I think, too, the other thing is I'm talking. So he doesn't understand why I'm out here. You know, normally I'm out here and I'm quiet. He doesn't understand why I'm out here talking to nobody. And he thinks I'm, in, I'm engaging with something that's not him. And he wants to be engaged. Jealous. He just wants to join the conversation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Talk about uh, mental health for gamers. Uh, yeah, I find that to be a fascinating topic. Just going back to it. We, I don't know. So... I, I really think that people who would go as far as to post negative things about creators, I mean, people say dumb stuff sometimes and that's forgivable. And maybe that's kind of what happened here. I, I said recently to a, a friend of mine that um, they were upset because somebody that I guess had followed them for a long time, unfollowed them and then refollowed them and then unfollowed them again. And they didn't, mm. You, you you know, I think it's natural for you to say, well, what did I do wrong? Why are they unfollowing me? Or what did I say? Or what did I tweet or post right. or whatever the case is? And I, you know, I tried to reassure them and just say, it may not have anything to do with you. They might have just had a bad day mm-hmm. or a bad week. I mean, that happens very, free- I mean, it happens to me as well, you know, where you might do something impulsive just because you're having a really bad day or a really bad week or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you regret it later, which is why you refollow the person or re-engage with the person or whatever the case is. But mm-hmm. I think it's sort of – I think it's pretty natural for humans to want to place the blame on themselves when really it might not really be a reflection of you or anything you did wrong or anything what potatoes did wrong. That person is just having a really crappy day. Sure. It's a little bit different when you know that person and they have a crappy day every day for four or five years. Reputation. But yeah, yeah it, they develop a reputation. But, you know. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and yeah, th- that tendency to look for the fault in yourself. I mean, it sounds noble in a way, but I think perhaps it's a reflection of an outsized model of your own importance, right? And, and insecurity. Yeah. Perhaps, yeah. That's one of the things that I, I, I take I, I take uh, comfort in at times too is like no matter how no matter how important I think what I'm doing is like like sitting down to prepare for this podcast like like most people aren't going to see it my parents are probably never going to see this probably well I don't know, maybe they're watching now I don't know um, I can promise you neither one of my parents will ever see anything they do on the internet yeah <laughs> they're not internet people fair enough my mother does my mother doesn't even own a computer. She has an iPad 
that she goes to my sister's house to update once a day. That's as close to the internet she ever gets. So she goes through, wait, she goes to your sister's house to sync her iPad? Yeah, because my mom doesn't have internet. She doesn't have a computer. She doesn't have internet. So she goes to my sister's house. And oh, man. most of the peaceful. time, most of the time, she'll just go on my sister's porch because the Wi-Fi goes out to the porch. Uh -huh. She won't even, she won't <laughs> tell my sister she's there, won't knock on the door or anything like that. She'll just, uh, she'll just go on the porch, sync her iPad. She plays, she has a couple of little iPad games she plays, like Disney something or other with little okay. characters. Yeah. So she'll go once a day, sync the pad for updates, sync the pad for whatever. Yes, Leo, I know. He's not <laughs> trying to destroy a box. Get it, Leo. And, uh, and then she'll leave. She won't even tell my sister she was there or say hello or any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. they, they live like 10 minutes from each other, you know, so. Sure. It's an interesting way to commune. Uh, yeah, I, I was just reflecting about how peaceful the idea of only getting internet updates once a day would be. Like, if you had a day to, like, like what if you got, like, a copy of the internet? at like eight in the morning. And then you just had that day to interact with it in whatever state it's in. And then, you know, you write your little your little comments, maybe you make a video or something like that and you push it up. And then next day you sync everything, you get your new update and your stuff goes out. And it's just like, you don't have to pay attention to it. You know, it's kind of like getting a newspaper almost. Yeah. And um, for those people out there who actually use social media that way, good for you. I wish I was... I wish I only checked it once a day. <laughs> I've actually gotten into this habit with my, like I, I turned off my personal email notifications. I turned off my, my, my work email notifications a long time. Um, I think there's nothing more destructive to, to doing things or getting work done, whether it's work you're paid for or just work you're interested in, um, than having notifications. They're just the worst. So email right out. I, I have like periods during the day when I work where I only check my email. Like I scan my email when I, when I start the day for things that are actually important. Things from my manager and things that have like an important flag on them. Last minute meetings have been invited to that shit. And then at the end of the day, I actually go through and respond to everything. Um, because otherwise, if people think you're always staring at your email, people are, are gonna expect you to respond to your email really quickly. And I deal with that with my personal email yeah. too. My sister has that problem. She works from home, uh -huh. uh, has for several years now. But she, unfortunately for her, she's one of those people who Oh, like gets email notifications. She doesn't turn it off and she doesn't know when to say no or when to just not respond. Yeah. It could be eight, nine o'clock at night. She'll hear a bing and she'll be like, oh, I got to respond to this. It's like, no, you really don't. Because number one, you're not on the clock anymore. You're definitely not getting paid for it. And number two, it'll be there when you start work at seven or eight o'clock the next day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, now she does work with companies and people who are in Europe. Different time and zones. Other, they're in different time zones, which is why she'll get, you know, a bing at say nine or 10 o'clock at night, but they can wait until the next work day for you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You're not doing brain surgery. It's not, you know, you don't No one's going to die. Yeah. Yeah. No one's going to die because you didn't answer that email. You know right. what I mean? But unfortunately she's one of those people who are even more plugged in than I am to, like you said, answering email notifications mm -hmm. or something like that. Yeah. It's a tough thing to manage. Um, I did notice the other day though that like um, the Outlook and Teams app that I use for my uh, on my phone for work, they both have quiet hours a setting, which is a beautiful thing. So I only get get like uh, we use Teams for chat communication, Microsoft Teams. I'll only get chat notifications like during business hours. If someone if someone chats me like at nine o'clock at night, I'll see it in the morning. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I know. 
I know when I was when I was way more active making videos and stuff, mm -hmm. um, I had the bad habit of like instead of checking things when you're more lucent or when you're more of mind to respond to people. I would like respond after a cup of coffee in the morning or something. Yeah, once you've woken up and yeah. you're settled at least for the morning, you know. Um I would respond like in the middle of the night or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. And again, I think that's I think those are just like unhealthy work habits. Mm -hmm. Even for even if it's like your hobby or something like that, you know. Yeah. I think you're right. And I I think like the human culture is just figuring out how to deal with 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 this level of communication we have now especially yeah. this last year especially this last year yes, especially baffled, a, a, you know tangent number 800 but <laughs> my my sister's children it baffles me how inept schools from kindergarten to the collegiate level how inept they are to deal with you know computer learning mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, it's insanity really but um Oh my gosh, it's so bad. It's what's it, bad about it, it? Well, I'll give I'll give a great example. Okay. So when this all and I don't know how it's going this year for them yet. They just went back to virtual school. Mm -hmm. um, now in Canada, they, I live pretty close to a school. All those kids are back in school, which I think is a mistake. But anyway, um, <clears throat> yeah, we we're talking about remote learning. Mm -hmm. um, he would have gym class even though they were stuck at home. So I said to my sister, well, what does he do for gym class? Like how, first of all, number one, how do you prove that the kid did gym class? Number two, what did he do for gym class? And my sister said, oh, he goes for a walk for 20 minutes and comes back. No, he doesn't. He's 12 years old. I, as a 12 year old, is he is not him? doing that. Yeah, like, <laughs> no, he's not doing any gym class, trust me. Yeah. And, 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 just, to, and just to show, just to show different things, um, I've got two nephews and a niece. Mm -hmm. The youngest nephew, um, he's in first grade, loves school. He will get up at 7 a.m., log into his Chromebook, and he's doing – by noon, he's done everything he's supposed to do for the day. Damn, son. Which, again, good for him, Yeah. but it's supposed to take you all day to finish those lessons or whatever, you know? And then my niece is much more casual about it. She might start school at noon, you know. <laughs> she does. She'll do like half a lesson, and when she gets bored of that lesson, she'll move on to like. Let's say she's doing English. She'll get bored and go to science, which you're really not supposed to do. But, and then mm. and then at the end of the night, my sister's supposed to sit down with them and check their homework and all this stuff. And it's like, uh, you know, I don't know how much the kids really learned last mm -hmm. year, mm -hmm. and they were all promoted a grade. You know, right. I, and I, I feel even worse for people who are like in 11th or 12th grade getting ready to go to college for the first year and their last year was done remote at home. I, I just can't imagine how much you really did or did not learn, depending on how proactive you are about education. Right. And at that age, 16, 17, maybe 18 years old, I don't know a ton of, of teenagers at that age who are super duper proactive about their education. Yeah, it, it tells a story of just generally like how hard it is to make people accountable remotely. It's hard to do. You know, it's hard to do. I, this year, I think <coughs> her particular school district, they actually have some kind of camera system or something where they they can see the kids or I don't know. I, I'll be honest. I don't know exactly how it works. Right. But and I know last year, what happens if a kid doesn't have a Chromebook or the Internet or whatever at home? Right. 
what, what if they come from a poor family and they can't afford that stuff? I think or this year they made I think they made preparations so that they all had that. But I know for a fact that there were children, especially in the U.S. and in Canada, who just disappeared off the radar last year after they stopped going to school. They didn't check mm -hmm. in. They didn't do any. And, and yet they pass them to the next grade. And it's like because no one knows what that's, else that's to do. It's insanity to me. Yeah, it's uh, it's a tough problem. Um, yeah. And there are other weird side effects, too. Like, what if what if you have, you know, a, a, what if you give a laptop to a poor family? Um, yeah. Like, does how's that laptop going to get used? And it's it's a different I, I game. Also, I also don't know if they can't aff like internet. At least in Canada, internet is can be very expensive, even for the right. basic package. They may not be able to afford that. So then, who pays for that? How is that subsidized? I mean, I don't know those answers. I'm sure that there are some answers out there, but at the same time, and and then you have the opposite end of the, of the spectrum. Let's say you go to Harvard. And you're not on campus, but you're still paying, I don't know how much Harvard costs, eighty, ninety thousand dollars a year or whatever. But let's say you're going to a college that costs you like thirty thousand dollars a year. I'm still paying thirty thousand dollars a year to have this. Yeah. Mm, what are you actually so. paying for? <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think so. <laughs> it's interesting that it's maybe it's appropriate. Like I think for at, at the collegiate level, it's certainly appropriate for those things to be challenged because because college education is not not worth what it costs. Um, it hasn't been for a long time. Uh, maybe that's a personal has, bias. As, but as somebody has two it. different degrees and, and college debt out my butt, even at my age, I fully agree. I mean, it, it depends <laughs> on what you, if you're like trying to go into a field that requires education, like if you want to be like a, a lawyer or if you want to be a doctor, like, yeah, like getting, getting through school is a path that you is, is a milestone on the path you have to take. For the average if, person, like, what if you want to be a teacher? Let's say you're going to school to be a teacher. I know, as a teacher, depending on the state, whatever, you need to do so many hours in the classroom. How does that work now? You just you do it online? Like, I don't know. It's very weird. Yeah, yeah. Well, the whole system is based on on physical presence, and how do you how do you adapt that for for online presence? I think if, the, the solution that most people are hoping for is that it's just going to go away and we'll be able to go back to school. And some, some places are going back to school. A friend of mine um, just started a new teaching job this, this semester um, for like a private school, like a place that does like K through 12 education. And it's, he started off um, doing it remotely, but, that, but now they have everyone back on campus because um, things have opened back up. It's a real like different kind of world. And I think, I think he deals with high school students, so it's pretty easy to just have like a zoom call for a class and you know who's there and who's not and most high school age people can can you can put them in front of a zoom I, call you know, and they know how to behave yeah, yeah. but i can what about, promise like, you if that was me in a zoom call and in ninth 10th 11th grade i'm playing a computer game in the background i ain't listening to anything you're saying i might have you muted you know and i'm yeah. playing i'm playing guild wars 2 on the side i'm not listening to anything i'm farming <laughs> Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, you know, so I got to get those skins unlocked. I need those gem store uh, gains. Obviously, there's there's a certain amount of like personal responsibility that has to be taken there. But at the same time, you know, you're talking about high school kids who, you know, most of them probably don't care, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think that what we're seeing with the, with the, the coronavirus in general and the lockdown and the, the, the move to a more distributed way of connecting with people is something that that is only we're only going to see more and more with time even once the world goes back to normal 
like I know it's certainly in the business world that this has been a huge wake up call to a lot of companies um, where they're realizing computers were important. Like we don't need offices. My own company right. yeah. just, just announced they're closing a, a crap ton of North American offices. My own office got closed down last year before you, any before anyone had ever heard of the coronavirus. And I, I went through the transition of being like every day my structure was going into the office. Every day, like I could roll out of bed at a quarter till my first meeting, make some coffee and make it work. Um, and I had to replace like the sense of this is going to sound like a joke, but like, like water cooler camaraderie you have with your coworkers. Um, I had to figure out how to replace that. And the thing that made it work for me was honestly pouring myself into a discord community of a bunch of old friends of mine and, and holding events and doing these gaming things. And eventually the podcast, that's like what helped me regulate my need for human contact. Uh, I feel like I, I've like digitally evolved to a point where I can connect with people the way we're connecting and right. like, I don't need to get out and see people as much. I still appreciate it when I can, but I see it as like a rare gem, you know? It's, it's interesting. There's um, a friend of mine has a company every Friday, his department has a zoom meeting with all of them just so they can see each other. They have lunch on zoom video cameras. Which, on. I prefer yeah, that. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. It, it's both interesting and entertaining at the same time because every week there's a news story of somebody who didn't realize or doesn't understand how their oh, video camera works. It's so good. And they're having sex with their secretary or they're walking around naked or they're sitting they're in the shower while they're on a, a business call or they're taking a dump. Yeah, like <laughs> there's something every week inappropriate that happens via a Zoom call, which is both hilarious, entertaining, and a little horrifying. It's, it's humans in motion. I love it. As far, as far as getting back to normal, I don't know what that normalcy looks like in the next two years. Mm -hmm. Because I don't think it's going to be... So there's an analogy that I, I use pretty often in that, um, and many people know this about me, when I was 25, my kidneys failed. Right. It took me five years to get a transplant, which is actually fast, which is actually quick. And when I was getting that transplant and all along the line, the doctors kept saying to me, well, when you get a transplant, everything's going to go back to normal. Everything mm -hmm. will be normal. But the truth is there is no normal. It will never, ever be the way it was before I went into kidney failure. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to feel that good again. I'm never going to be, uh, in my opinion, mentally as sharp as I was back then. I'm never, I'm, I'm not even the same person I was before then just because mm -hmm. of the experience of the whole thing. Right. So you're even though the doctors say you're going to feel normal, the reality is you're never going to feel the old normal. Mm -hmm. You're going to adjust to whatever the new normal is eventually. Yeah. And I think and I think that's especially true for COVID-19 and uh, like the telecommuting world we are of today. I don't think like you said a lot of businesses are just going to close their offices because they're they're not needed or have much smaller office spaces because you don't need to have 80 to 100 people in an office space anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which begs the question what do they do with all that space but regardless of that real estate um, prices fall that would be great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's staying home. But um but then, but then think about the causation of that. Everybody stays at home, so now nobody wants to live in a small one-bedroom apartment anymore that they were barely in right. because they were always at the office. Now they want a much bigger house, 
that probably doesn't exist or doesn't exist yeah. at, you know as much if you got to be sure if if, if 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 you're a two income family with one kid and you got to be sure that parent a can work from home parent b can work from home and the kid can learn from home at the same time you're gonna make very different choices about your living situation compared to if every single day all three of you are going to different to your offices and to school right yeah man look i i, I was lucky so my wife and I both worked from home when the lockdown hit and we already had our, our pay place set up so that we could have our individual spaces where we worked and, and did our, our day to day stuff we needed to do. Um, and we don't have a kid. I, I mean, honestly, the complexity of having a kid trying to go through school with this is just crazy. Um, it's hard to imagine yeah, what that looks like. It's tough. It's tough for sure. And, like my sister on one hand wants the kids to go back to school because she needs that time apart and that peace of mind right. at the same time she can. doesn't want them to go back to school because it's not safe right you know yeah so. and, and you can't trust kids to wear a mask and practice mask discipline and six and social well and i don't know i i know the states and each state is probably slightly different in canada at least in southern ontario where i'm at mm -hmm. schools are exempt from wearing masks so when the children are out in the playground running around none of them have masks on or at least very few of them and my city, uh, I follow my city on Twitter. They posted something today about how to teach children to safely distance in the playground. And I tweeted back at them. I said, this is it's an absolute joke. I live across from a school, and I can see every day that none of them are wearing masks. They're all running around in circles. They're doing what kids do. They're all running around in circles, playing tag, throwing balls at each other. There's no social distancing for that, you know? The only one wearing a mask is like the, I don't know, what the schoolyard police guy not a police guard but you know what i mean like a hall safety, monitor the hall monitor yeah. <laughs> the security guard the, the, the hall monitor is the only one wearing a mask you know they, None they of the were kids always are the, wearing the teacher's pet anyway so makes sense yeah so you know I, I don't know it's uh it's interesting you want them to go back to school at the same time you don't feel safe for them going back to school um, i don't know yeah and and here you know they went back to school and, and it's not just them going back to school, but COVID cases had hit a lull, and now they're on the rise again. Sure. And it's not just because of schooling. It's it's for many different reasons, but that's certainly one of them, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, bringing, bringing this back to ArenaNet, oh boy. They've, been, they've actually been producing content at um, a, a very, I would say, a very good clip, considering that almost nobody is in the office. They haven't slowed down too much. No. I mean, a lot of the content that we've seen surprising. come out, though, it was like it was started back in the office, though, right? Sure, sure. But I think by now we're already at the point. Any story you see from now on is has been done out totally out of the office, like the mm -hmm. Halloween, which I know Halloween is just a plug and play sort of thing for them. That's but any updates that yeah. sure any updates that have been done to Halloween were done out of the office. Mm -hmm. And now, me personally. Maybe selfishly, I don't know. I refuse to play the story without voice acting. That's yeah. just, just for me because I, I just can't, you know, it's one of those things you get used to voice acting and then playing a game without voice acting all of a sudden when you're used to hearing it voice acted to you, it's just like it. it well, and this it, game look, needs if it. You don't, if you don't have the voice acting, I'm just not going to play the story. Yeah, and now this game... They are supposed to add that back in, I think, right. fairly soon. And then I'll play all that content. But at the same time, they did release content regardless of the voice acting situation. Do you think that was the right call? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't just uh, you can't just stop making content. Mm -hmm. You know, regardless of the situation, 
Um, even with their layoffs, which they did take a big hit as far as uh, producing goes with that, maybe a bit too much in my opinion. Those layoffs were um, a big moment, man. Yeah, and I, I'm going to come across sounding a bit cold and callous about that, but I think that that was milked for a little bit too long. By you know, I, I, uh, by the community. I don't want to okay. say by ArenaNet because I don't know. <clears throat> without trying to look at tweets and stuff, I don't know how much Arena themselves tried to blame the layoffs for slower content or lack of content. Mm -hmm. The community definitely gave them a pass for a very long time because of it, though. And uh, don't get me wrong, I understand you lay a bunch of people off, but you have to remember, too, that many of those people weren't working on Guild Wars 2 anyway. Not not the Guild Wars 2 that you play on a, an up-to-date basis. They were working on third-party projects. They were working on a possible Guild Wars 3, perhaps. Um, and don't get me wrong. They lost a lot of people, and then they lost a lot of leadership, too, because Mo ended up jumping ship to make his own company right. again, which I, I totally understand. I'm not trying to badmouth Mo for, for doing that. But, yeah, and then Mike Z slid out the back door. Well, and of, of course, you're, um, that, that was interesting because I had heard not from ArenaNet and not from being a partner or anything like that, but I had heard for months that he was gone, but of course nobody could confirm it. But I had heard for months and months and months that he was gone before somebody had posted on Reddit that he was actually at a different studio. Mm -hmm. uh, but it makes sense because you you lose, you know, you lose the head of the company more or less, taking over by NCSoft, who NCSoft doesn't want you to know who's steering the ship. Mike Z ends up leaving for what was probably a much better opportunity, I assume. Mm -hmm. Amazon Games sort yeah. of ate up a lot of those guys and girls. Yep. And um, it just it's not something you want to advertise. It's not something you would want him to advertise for you. I'm sure they probably said to him, listen, let's I understand you're leaving. Let's keep this on the down low. We don't really want to broadcast this. Yeah, I'm sure it wasn't in anyone's best interest to make a big deal of that. So I'm not I'm not too surprised. Every uh, time somebody leaves, <laughs> every time somebody leaves the company for whatever reason, mostly it's because of personal growth. That's just how business works, you know. Yeah, I mean, I guess um, I should. I I think I need to re rephrase what I just said. I think it would have been in the community's best interest to know that that was right, happening. Right. Yeah. Because every time it happens with the community, they go crazy and crazy speculation as to did this person get fired? Did they leave? What is Arena going to do? The problem is every time Arena hires somebody you rarely hear that they hired somebody until the person's been working there for like a year and a half or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and, and only then because they were brought into the spotlight because of some piece of content that they worked on. So that's a very one-sided part of the equation where it, it, it's just one of those things where they, they see people leaving a company and they think, Oh, it's time to jump ship because so-and-so left or because there was X number of layoffs when in fact, even though with the layoffs, they've still produced the same amount of content they were going to give you anyway, quite honestly. Yeah, I think that there's a there's a fair argument to be made that the layoffs produced a better Guild Wars 2 product long term. And that in a way, I mean, I feel, so I was looking two years after Path of Fire and feeling like, where the hell is Mike's next expansion? Where are my elite specs? Like, what, what the hell is Guild Wars doing? This saga stuff is bullshit. I was at the Moore Theater when they announced it. And I was like, they obviously have nothing. What's been going on for the last year and a half? And um, the one one thing that I could I could I could fill in the blanks within my head is that they were planning to use that theater to announce a new title. They got shit canned when NCSoft laid down the law with the layoffs. 
I don't know well, if that's it, true. It's just a, a deduction. And it should because, also be noted that they, they do have a separate title in the works. Right. As you uh, should Jennifer as a game Schuller, studio. I don't know if Jennifer any game Schuller studio that only that works on one while. game. They did for a long time. <laughs> but yeah, you have to try you have to you have to expand into other games and other IPs and right. And I think the thing about it that like so I talked with with uh, Teapot about this. I think the thing the thing about it that really stings is like I go back to post Heart of Thorns Hera Arena Net Guild Wars when Mike O came out and took took over the the banner of game director from Colin Johansson and there was a shift right you remember that before he before... was he was sort of Mike O'Brien's mini me for a while before he really got his own reins. Yeah? Colin Johansson? Oh, no, no. no. I, this, is, this is when Colin left. Yeah. I, like, I, I only started actually playing Guild Wars 2. You know, I mentioned that year that my wife and I spent playing Guild Wars. That was in the lead-up to Heart of Thorns. So I okay. completely missed the first, like, two years of the game. Um, and, and also the first two years of Colin Johansson memes, you know, the hype train director. But man, I I enjoyed the hell out of, out, of, out of that lead up to the expansion. I felt really good as a fan. Um, I don't know how much the direction the game was expressing at expansion launch time was a result of Colin or his leadership. I don't know. Um, but it's pretty clear that with the transition from Colin to, to Mo, we saw at the same time a pullback on a lot of the more sharp-edged pieces of the expansion, the more, um, shall we say, uh, uh, for lack of a better word, the, the the more harder and hardcore parts of the expansion, the parts of the game that, that that told you to, hey, you don't get this just because you showed up. You you actually have to learn it. You have to do it. The, the jungle's going to beat you down. Learn your break bars or else. Um, and then there is the, the, the pass that was done to with around the edges off the jungle. Yeah. To they also did a pass on all the the lovely meta events, which were so good in the, in those maps. They're all great, um, except maybe Verdant Brink. I don't know, but uh, and then we launched right into season three, and we got the message more or less that ArenaNet was going to talk with its work, not with its words, and that we and that we were seeing an end to the eternal discussion of what's what's on the table, and um, which. During the Nintendo Power era of you got all your news from a magazine would have been fine. I used to have a stack of but, those, man. Yeah, me too. But you know, we don't live in that age anymore. You can't. You can't live in that age anymore. Yeah. ArenaNet, and I, you know, I, I love ArenaNet, but they're not good at marketing their own game. They never have been. I don't know why. It seems so easy to me. Um, they're not good at marketing their own game. They're not good at choosing a path and sticking to it. There's so much content that they'll put a lot of work into and then just scrap it at the drop of a hat because it didn't receive uh, good feedback when it was released the first time. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm looking at you, Stronghold, in particular. Oof, yeah. Uh, but raids, to a lesser extent, also suffered from that after about the first year or so. The first year was... Where yeah, they they had now don't get me wrong, they, they did have the advantage of build up time for the first uh two or three and Nike could speak a little bit more than I could about it, but they had mm -hmm. more lead up time for the first three wings. And they had a solid team, and then they built two solid teams. 
And then in true ArenaNet fashion, they cannibalize those teams to go work on other things because those teams worked so well together. And then raid slowly died by the wayside. And you might see one more raid wing, in my opinion, maybe one more, because I think they promised one more. Did they? And then that's it. I I I don't know. Teapot could tell you. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm kind of, like I said before. I'm kind of done with raids. I, I really just don't care anymore. Unfortunately, um, they had a really good thing going when they started, and they had a good pace. They had a decent pace going when they started, but they promised big. They delivered short, which unfortunately is pretty typical for ArenaNet. Mm-hmm. And when they released Heart of Thorns. The difficulty curve that existed there, and it, and it did exist for sure, people were so used to having things handed to them that they weren't ready for that shock. Mm-hmm. And so, just like you said, after Heart of Thorns, the next story comes out, and following into Path of Fire, things got scaled back in terms of difficulty. It just was, you know, it just wasn't as difficult. Mm-hmm. They didn't, they didn't content, they didn't intend to keep, they didn't keep teaching you. For things to get more difficult, they just let things get a little bit easier, a little bit easier, and a little bit easier as things went along. And they have always had a big problem with listening to, instead of taking the middle ground, they listen to only one specific group of people at a time for some reason. You know, Heart of Thorns came out, everybody, not everybody, large vocal group of people screamed, it's too difficult. Path of Fire comes out, it's too easy. There's not enough to do. The meta's are there but they don't really exist they're not as encompassing yeah the community doesn't care about them yeah it's well and there's a good reason for that because in the old metas which by the way almost all of them got nerfed which is Mm. a shame because they used to be like verdant brink for example not verdant brink um tangled depths yeah uh uh, tangled depths used to be way more difficult uh fun yes it was punishing yeah as a matter of fact and nowadays like it's it's ridiculous but anyway um, they, they never seem to quite learn where that middle ground is, you know, and that's a bit of a shame. And one of the things that made Heart of Thorns great for those individual events, sometimes they could be annoying, don't get me wrong, but each map had an individual currency with individual rewards tied to that currency. Mm-hmm. In Path of Fire, they had rewards, but everything was on a universal currency. Right. So if I didn't like doing something or I didn't like a particular map, I could go do something easy, mindless, and boring, Too much get access. that currency come back and buy that reward, which means you didn't really earn it. And, you know, Some people might think, well, that's good because I can go choose to do the content I want. That's true, but you're choosing to do, players will always choose the path of least resistance. Mm-hmm. And the path of least resistance is generally going to be grindy and boring, and it's going to make you want to quit the game and the community will hate it, in it while mandating yeah, it at the same time. Yeah. That's, that's why people still do circles around silver wastes, right? And as is being pointed out in chat, Heart of Thorns maps are still active today, where Path of Fire maps are dead. Correct. What scares me is End of Dragons. I don't know how they could choose another extreme, but I'm sure that they will. Um, I just I don't have faith that they can ever find that middle ground. That doesn't even tackle the multitude. I was going to make a video about this, actually, but that doesn't even tackle the multitude of other problems Internet has with expansion releases. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Take a good look at World of Warcraft or Final Fantasy fourteen when they release an expansion as to what that expansion includes, and then compare it to any Guild Wars two expansion. It doesn't measure up. Yeah. It doesn't have end game repeatable content. 
they don't have dungeons uh, like we have fractals but they're not you don't release a group of them with some sort of uh, yeah you know, item chase that's what's so great about March. about like a wow expansion is you know you're going to get new new places to explore you're going to get new dungeons to progress through. You're going to you're going to have a, a reason to progress through, like an extrinsic motivation, and the intrinsic motivation of having just lots of new things dropped in at once. And there will be a raid like two weeks after release. Right. It's done. They're just waiting to turn it on. You know, that that needs to happen. People need that sort of stuff. And even then, even with all of that, people still burn through like a WoW expansion a month and a half, a month mm -hmm. to a month and a half. In Guild Wars 2, they burned through it way faster than that. Yeah, a couple days. So they, they spent two years or so making all this content for you, and in less than a month, you're no longer interested in playing half of that content because you've done it. You've already done it. You've already done the story. You've already done whatever, and there's no dungeons to do, and you don't need new gear. I've got full legendary gear. What do I ever need gear again for? I hate legendary gear for that reason. I actually, yeah. that's something I realized recently. I had a long-term goal I worked for I, I stretched out for like 18 months. I, I got the raid legendary armor on my warrior, my main. And that was a fun goal to stretch out. And I think I must have kind of known at the time when I was doing it that once I got there, that was going to be the end for me because there's no point in progressing my that character anymore. I can, I can like, <laughs> I can left click through the story content if I want to, but. I could just watch one potatoes videos on YouTube and get the same value yeah. out of it. Now it's just it's just a skin hunt for you. Which and, and the skin hunt a long time ago. But yeah, and the skin hunt sucks because of the the, the gold standard. The, yeah, the, re the reality good. that your rewards everything. are not tied to what you do. Yeah. And so everyone optimizes down to the point and and we live in a world where these these communities and their their tools of interacting and sharing knowledge are very are very sophisticated. So whatever is the best, the community is going to find it. Um, here's here's the other thing. I, I I believe, in my opinion, even if you have legendary gear, armor, weapons, trinket, whatever, mm -hmm. I still think that if a new stat set is released into the game, you should have to unlock it. You should have to unlock it in a non gold related way, because if you can just buy through it. You just you will. Most people yeah. will already have it saved. But, but like a new map and, currency. Yeah, yeah. Like there was and on a top of that, Sorry, go ahead. And on top of that, or even better than a map currency, there should. Do you know how like there's a collections need work, but there are some collections out there that will reward you with a particular weapon or skin or whatever the case is. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think some sort of quest like that could work to unlock a new rune set. Um, where at the end of it, you get your rune set. But don't allow players to push through that content. The downside is that you've already conditioned your community to be handed things. So when you try to force them to earn things, like elite specializations in Heart of Thorns, mm -hmm. the complaints were through the roof that the elite specializations took too long to get or took too long to earn. And and they just on day one they wanted to play as that was crazy how fast was. they changed that that was and, actually and crazy. ever since then it's a joke path of fire ever since then you just save up what you need and you buy it on day one it's unlocked you play it and don't get me wrong there's a certain satisfaction to that and in structured PvP I understand it but in PVE content there's no need for that inst you don't need to unlock that right away necessarily uh, there needs to be 
a fun, engaging quest line or system that is involved in unlocking that rather than just earn X amount of points, spend points to unlock system, because quite frankly, that's boring. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like it. I mean, I don't like that. I also don't like paid progression skips. I don't like that you can buy level 80 boosts. I, I don't really... Tomes of Knowledge have over time revealed themselves to me to be a mechanic that I hate because it. I have no reason to engage with the part of the game that I actually originally fell in love with, which is leveling through and exploring Corteria. Um, that was what that was what sold me on Guild Wars. It's such a double-edged sword, right? Because on one hand, I want to be forced to engage in that world. The, the exploration of Guild Wars 2 is what hooked me originally. Mm -hmm. It's what made me want to... The, the exploration of the world plus the smoothness of the combat is what hooked me. Yeah, combat feels great. Totally. In Guild Wars 2. Those two things combined is why I was in before day one even came, you know? Um, the problem is, after I have my first level 80, do I necessarily want to repeat that content that I've already discovered because it's not new. I've already, let's say I've done world completion, right? Once you do world completion the one time, do I want to do it three or four more times because I'm on that character? Well, not really necessarily. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely pros and cons to both side of, uh, you know, actually going back to wooden potatoes, he had a Twitter thing, you know, if you're a new yes. player, should you, should you boost to 80? And on one hand, I would say absolutely not, because I don't care if you played WoW for 20 years. This is similar but different enough that you should learn the class. You should learn as you go along, as as it slowly feeds you the grain and to level up and to know what's going on. Forget the story for a minute, because whatever. Just to learn your class, because you boost to 80, you get a bunch of new skills. you got no idea what any of it does. Maybe you're a fast learner. Maybe you're not. I'm not. Mm -hmm. it, it takes me forever to adjust to something like that, level 80, brand new. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, all of my friends are playing. My entire guild, everybody from uh, Salt, Mighty Teapot's guild, is playing this new game. I want to be level 80. I want to play with them. I don't want to have to play for two weeks before I can play with Mighty Teapot. I want to play now. Mm -hmm. You know, so right. it's, it's tough. That's a tough thing to battle. You know, I, I jumped into that poll and I voted to, um, I, I voted kind of knee jerk for nope, don't boost, play the game. I thought about it after I voted. And I, I think what I realized is that the reason I voted that had nothing to do with people learning the game. Cause I, I think that the, the core theory experience doesn't teach you much about how to play at the end game. I mean, for crying out loud, doesn't you know, like you can auto attack, no dodge. Like it's, it's actually really a tragedy. Um, yeah, it, it how, definitely, it definitely doesn't. I think Roka said you, you were a, you're level X. I forget what level thirty he said was. Level thirty. Level, you're like level you thirty. Everything you need to know. Yeah. So I think he's right. I, I understand that. My count, my my small counter argument would be that as you're leveling up. And you get, let's say you get one new skill. Well, I start using that one skill. I know what that skill does now. And I get another skill. Okay, I know what this skill does now. And if I go to 80, I'm going to have 20 skills that will have to slowly figure out what they do. Right. Yep. So I, I think for your first character, you should level normally. That that was my, that's what I picked as well. Right. But I can also appreciate and I can understand where some people are going to say, look, I've been playing WoW for 20 years. I, I don't care. You know, I, I can, can figure just, out buttons. It's just buttons. It. 
and I just want to play with my friends anyway. So who cares, you know? So yeah. I can appreciate both sides of the coin, but if you were a brand new player, I don't care what else you've played in your life. I would still say for your first character, play to 80. It's not going to take you that long anyway with all the boosts and XP bonuses you yeah. get and nonsense anyway. I don't know. I, I agree with you. I, I totally think that there's, there's merit to both sides of that argument. Um, I think for me, though, the reason I voted for not skipping is because, in my opinion, you're skipping the best part of the game. I mean, yeah, you can go back and Story? play it at 80, but it ain't the same. No, the world. Oh, okay. it's the world. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, the story is, is is like little punctuation marks in the world. And it is what strings you along and moves you through. It's it's your it's your um um your MacGuffin, right? The story the story's kind of terrible, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think like at a high level the story beats are pretty cool. Like the, the conflict with Zaitan and the way it progresses. The seasons, island. yeah. The, yeah. It gets but, a little better. The seasons are definitely better, but Oh yeah, because well the, World Exploration to, though. Yeah. They go to telling one story and try to instead of trying to tell f five or eighteen stories at once, which did not work. Um, it all filters down to one story regardless of anything else you've done. Make any choice you want, except none of them matter. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I, uh, but yeah, I just think that like, for me, if I hadn't fallen in love with Tyria, I would never have played the Guild Wars 2 endgame and other people play games for different yeah. reasons. That's fine. Maybe you just love the social aspect and you want to jump into fractals. Um, that's not my impression of the way most people approach Guild Wars though. Most people approach Guild Wars. They, uh, I think Teapot talked about it as uh, like a comfort MMO. Like it's kind of like what you rebound into after you get burned out on on ESO or after you get burned out on World of Warcraft or after you get burned out on Final yeah. Fantasy. Like you can fall into it. You're never gonna have to grind super hard to get caught up because of the choices ArenaNet made with gear progression. Um, and you're gonna be able to just absorb some like comfortable story with the feeling of people around you. Playing, yeah, you're you're together but alone. Mm -hmm. um yeah and i think that's exactly how ArenaNet wants the game to be they want you to play and engage with their world as long as they can keep you but they're not sad to see you go which mm -hmm. baffles me from a company perspective but they're not sad to see you go and they hope that you come back and when you come back like you said it's comfortable you don't have to do too much work to catch up mm -hmm. you feel and because of that comfort, you feel okay in giving them a couple of bucks, buying a new set of wings, yes, or whatever. And that's I how I trained myself off of this habit like a year ago, because I would do this every time. Whenever a Living World release happened, I would buy something on the gem store because I was just I like my wife. Support. My wife does it every time. She will go months without logging in. She'll log in. And she'll see a new wing. Wings are her thing. She'll see a new wing set. Oh yeah. And she wants to buy it right away. Yeah, and when I was playing with my wife, I, I could never turn her down, too. She's like, oh, I want that. I'm like, shit, okay, I got to figure that out. <laughs> she stopped playing a little while ago. But, um, yeah, but it, it's not just, like, also, like, the I got to have it feeling. For me, it just feels good to, like, I kind of feel like the money that I have is a result of, as a result of giving a service that I was, that I was rewarded for. I was given value for, for, for value of money for the value of my service. I feel like I'm receiving a valuable service from ArenaNet, and I want to give value back. It makes me feel good that, like, I, I feel like I'm helping build and create this game that I like. It's like, it's it goes back to what we talked about with Twitch, 
or I'm paying to receive free content. Although in this case with with Guild Wars, I get a, a flashy legendary skin to go with that. Um, I like that. And yeah. I'll, I'll even say like subscribe to games I'm not playing because I really want to support them. Uh, Planet Side 2 is a game with a subscription that if you get it, you get like a small amount of premium currency per month. And when you play, it makes you gain experience faster. Guess what? I haven't logged into Planet Side 2 in over a month. But I still throw them 15 bones a month because I, I really like that game and its community and I want it to be successful. Like, it's it's kind of like the... I, I feel like I'm backing it. You are exactly the customer I want in my MMORPG. <laughs> okay. <laughs> MMO Inks, MMORPG. What does this game look like? I, I don't know. I don't know what the game looks like, but you are you are literally the perfect customer for them. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. You're supporting the games and you're supporting the creators mm -hmm. that you want to, that you feel like you get value out of. Yeah. And that's that's what you should that's how you should do it, really. Mm -hmm. Not trying to tell people how to spend their money, but that's how you should form that relationship rather than the relationship that commonly forms, which is the relationship unfortunately that I had with Guild Wars 2 for a long time, and that's FOMO, fear of missing out. This is only in the gem store for 24 hours. You can only get this for one week. You can only, uh, you know, Halloween's only, only going to be here for two weeks. You better play. Oh, okay, you paid your monthly subscription. Uh, 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 for example, I play a lot of Magic the Gathering Arena now. Yeah. And I, I do game. I do give them $20 every time the season thing renews. Mm -hmm. and But I make sure I hit level 80 or level 100 whatever it is in the rewards until it becomes the repeatable reward then uh, you know whatever i've get i've gotten total value and and mm -hmm. really that's a it's a marketing thing for them because they'll say oh if you get all of the rewards out of this that's a 250 dollars value for 20 bucks well i want 250 dollars yeah for 20 bucks you know what i mean and if i don't then i'm not getting my value out of it yeah you know it's funny uh that sounds kind of like a battle pass mechanic almost. It is. It's a hundred percent a battle pass. Yeah. Yeah. I just mm -hmm. I, I I bought a battle pass for a new game, a game that I also kind of want to see successful called Diabotical. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um it's like uh they took Quake Three and modernized it and made it look made it look like friendly, like uh, you know, modern style graphics and some new mechanics. But they, they had a battle pass and I threw I threw them like, you know. God, what did I pay? I bought whatever the best deal was, which is the highest amount, highest amount of, of premium currency you could buy, and I bought the battle pass with it. And I've barely touched the game since then. Um, I tell you what, though, I feel comfortable with it because I, I feel like I've supported a game that I care about, and when I come back to play it, it's going to be there for me. On the other hand, I all, there are things I don't spend money on, like like FOMO, like what you just mentioned. I don't spend money on FOMO stuff. FOMO um, is so tough. It's, it really yeah. is tough. Especially for someone like Every company does it. Especially like with know. magic and card games. Like those, those guys are the masters of FOMO and getting money out of you. I had to stop playing magic because it wasn't worth the money to me. Um, I had a coworker try to get me into it. Yeah, fun game, but man. Yeah, I mean, if you really want to... Unfortunately, it's, it's, it's like any of those games. If you really want to be competitive and not lose 20 matches in a row or something then you're probably going to have to spend a little cash to get some bonuses and hope that you get the unlocks you want. And their unlock system is okay, but not great. It's a little predatory. It's definitely RNG, loot boxy. Um, 
it's not as egregious as some loot boxes, but it's still a loot box at the end of the day. Yeah, well, it's accepted because card packs have been accepted in collectible card games forever, right? I was talking about this with somebody else, right? Because they said, you know, uh, card packs, baseball, baseball cards, yeah, yeah, are the are the original loot box, and then that developed into Magic the Gathering and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And I said, not actually, capsules toy capsules and rubber balls are the original loot box go up and you put your quarter in and you turn the little knob. i know oh. like most of you out there have no idea what the fuck i'm talking about but you turn the little knob and you get a rubber ball but it's green and i really want it blue you know what i mean it's a whole case of rubber balls or you remember the uh the tattoo stickers i want the dragon tattoo so i'll put my money in there and i get it out and oh i got a unicorn with i'm not putting a unicorn on my shoulder you know <laughs> <laughs> uh, or or even like Cracker Jack, right? You eat your Cracker Jack and there's a prize in the bottom, but it was a crappy one and not the one you wanted. You know what I mean? It's like uh -huh. all of that stuff. All of that stuff is the same. Um, when I was a kid, there was, um, you remember Muscle Men? Yes. They came in a, like a little garbage can or something yes. originally. Like you could buy a whole pack of them and you could see what you were going to get. Mm -hmm. But there was always a surprise mini. There was always a... You're going to get a special one, but you don't know which one it is, you know. Mm -hmm. um, when I was a teenager, my nephew or, or my excuse me, my cousin, who was much younger, he was into something called Crazy Bones. <laughs> and it, it was the same thing. It was these little figures, different shapes of bones. And the special one was called Eggy. It was a little egg with feet. And they had different color eggies. But to get an eggy, it was you had to open X number of packs and you didn't know when you were going to get one and so on and so forth. So it's it's always that mystery grab bag, whatever nonsense. The loot box, the loot bag has existed since forever. I can see your eyes light up talking about this stuff. It obviously is something that excites you. I think I think it's it's kind of like you know the only thing that those guys in the the eighties never latched onto, which they should have, was every time that you put your quarter in to click down whatever you were gonna get, it was random. Mm -hmm. They should have set off the casino alarm bells because that sound, the, the sound of you winning playing slot machines, which, by the way, are total, I mean, slot machines are terrible. Uh -huh. But but that bell that goes off sends off endorphins in your body. It's a sound that they know sends off endorphins. Mm. And so, hey, that's the ultimate, uh, <laughs> that's the ultimate thing, you know, S send off an endorphin and you'll want to repeat that. It's a drug. You'll want to repeat it as many times as you can. Interesting. Yeah, and I think people get trained, too, over time as you get exposed to this stuff. I My first exposure was actually what you just described, baseball cards. Because me and my dad and my brother, when I was a, a kid, were really into baseball. And uh, we were big fans of a local local Major League Baseball team. And um, we collected baseball cards for fun, and we nerded out about it. Um, I think I I still have a box of them in my, in, my, in my parents' garage across the country. Oh, what is that? Is that Pete Rose? You're muted, I think. Steve Braun from the Cardinals. <laughs> I have no, I have no idea. My uncle got it signed for me. It's got my name on it. That's cool. Um, and something about it is definitely fake because it's his real signature. Because I looked it up. Uh huh. And then somebody else signed underneath of it. That's not his signature. Aww. I don't know if that was my uncle or whoever. 1982 okay. is when he signed it. No idea. Never met the guy. Apparently, my uncle—he was—he was a favorite player of my uncle's or something. That's and cool. And he got the card signed and gave it to me. But yeah, yeah I was never into baseball cards per se. But I totally get—I totally get that—that—that 
that feeling, that same thing. You know? It was cool. I used to love going to the, to the store once a week because I, I, I had a little allowance as a kid and I, I would always spend it all on baseball packs. It was way more fun to get a pack of baseball cards and had the experience of opening it with my dad and my brother and comparing what we got and trading cards. That was way more fun than just, you know, saving up for like a Ken Griffey Jr. card or something like that at the time. He was one of the most valued players at the time that I was doing that. But then the next time I remember experiencing that feeling you're describing of like the kind of endorphin release from like an artificial win, um, I was actually playing a uh, an N64 game, an N64 baseball game, which I think it was Ken Griffey Jr.'s Major League Baseball, I think. Me and, my, me and my brother played the shit out of this game. And there was a mechanic in it where you could take a team through a season and you can trade players. And what would happen is there was this system that was built in so that whenever you requested a trade with another team, there was like some 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 dice roll mechanics built in where it made it very unlikely that a team would take an unfavorable trade. However, not impossible. And so if you identified the, the correct maximum threshold of player skill, that the game would give you a non-zero chance to have the trade be accepted, all you had to do is request the trade 100 times. And eventually they would give you the player. And whenever, whenever the trade went through, it showed trade accepted on the screen. And to this day, my brother and I talk about this. The phrase trade accepted like sends endorphins through our bodies. It feels so good. Um, That's fantastic. Humans are animals, man. And um, <laughs> it reminds me, it's funny you say that because there was a Super Nintendo, and it's been around for a long time. Uh-huh. There's, a, there's a franchise called Romance of the Three Kingdoms okay. based on feudal China. And there's... In each of those games, there's various different ones that exist even today versus back then. Mm-hmm. Same thing. You could seek out a very good general. He had good stats or whatever you wanted. And it was unlikely you were going to sway him from his king or from his emperor, excuse me. But it was possible. Uh-huh. I don't think it popped I don't know if it popped up a message or not, but it's the same sort of thing, same sort of feeling of uh of getting that uh-huh. of getting getting that rarity yeah it feels good like the the irregular reward schedule the the random reward schedule uh classical conditioning uh it's it's huge dude um there are industries and careers built on it now um the thing about it that sucks compared to like the baseball cards is that you can't trade the stuff you get out of loot boxes most of the time no um, on purpose but yeah no you can't and that most that games of, you're not allowed to. I think magic is one of those in, in in arena. Is there a way to exchange cards between players? No, no. So there's that, uh, Magic the Gathering Online, which the is old different one. from Arena, the old right. one, has an entire economy, real world economy and system built around trading and selling cards for ticks or tickets. And tickets have a real world value of generally a dollar, but maybe less than that if you're trying to buy and sell them and right there's actually this is and this sort of thing is mind-blowing to me but there's actually companies out there who will rent you cards from magic the gathering online at like a couple of dollars a week rather than you having to spend let's say two or three hundred tickets dollars to buy the deck yourself because what if you don't like it that's beautiful. So, man. so you could rent a deck. I don't, and I don't know how much it costs because I've it's never capitalism done it, in motion. Let's say it costs you five or ten dollars for the week, 
Right. I play it the whole week as much as I want. At the end of the week, they get all their cards back and they made five or ten dollars for me. And then if I really like it, I can buy the cards from them or I can buy the cards from somebody else. Try before you buy. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I love I, when... I, I love a good money making scheme when I see one. And that is, <laughs> you know, that is brilliant. I just love when games are open enough to have to have player run economies to have player run communities like i don't know like i, I think it's, i think games and game developers should do a good job by their communities but i also think there's a lot of merit to be said and hey we made our game like so that you can do what you want with it like i love the modding community in skyrim i love uh this old school shooter i mentioned earlier team fortress classic i love that there's zero developer involvement in the way people play the game today people run their own servers they they organize their own leagues they make their own rules um i just love it and, and a couple weeks ago i talked to uh a wow classic streamer a guy goes by cargos and he is one of the the signal bearers uh the 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 flag uh, the 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 bannermen, that's what I want, of the of the classic hardcore community, which is a community-organized, community-enforced way to play the game where you try to get to level 60 without dying at all, ever, which... Like an Iron Man sort of uh, thing. Exactly, yeah. Um, but there's no... Blizzard had nothing to do with that. No. Um, and you know what's, what's really interesting, talking about Blizzard and things that they didn't intentionally create, but the best... For those who like PvP, open world PvP, the mm -hmm. best open world PvP that ever happened in World of Warcraft it didn't happen because Blizzard set it up or because Blizzard created a special server or because they created a special mode for it. It happened organically because of where resources were on the map that you could open world PvP in. And ever since that happened, they tr they've been trying to chase that to recreate it, but you can't recreate something... It comes from the community that's pure like that. You just spoke straight to my heart, Inks. So I played WoW Classic last year when it came out um, with a friend of mine, and we we buddy leveled up to sixty. We joined the same raiding guild. We helped organize it, and we cleared everything in Molten Core and Anixia, like the first big raid bosses. You know, you you did all of it, I'm sure. Long time ago, but yes, yeah. I did. <laughs> I led a guild back in the day. I wasn't going to do that this time. Didn't lead. Just, you know, tell people what to do without having any real responsibility. But anyway, I, <laughs> which is what I'm doing now, I quit like the, the, the week that the PvP honor system came in. And I think it was the best time to leave, man, because I think that PvP up until that came in was at its best and purest because PvP happened for two reasons. Number one, to, to, to prove your dominance, so entirely social dominance stuff. And number two, to gain control of parts of the map that were valuable. Think about like questing areas in Stranglethorn Vale. Level 60 is policing the zone because you, 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 you're, 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 your alts, your friends alts, and your buddies are trying to level up through the zone. And you don't want that level 60 orc warlock coming in from, from, from um, what's the name of the horde town in Stranglethorn? I can't think of it. It's been too long. I don't know. Ganking up and down that road. And yeah, so yeah. you send your Alliance bros in from Darkshore and you roll him. That was the height of that PvP. And also, I mean, I think there was in Vanilla a scene that formed in uh, Hillsbred Foothills uh, because there, there were two towns that were situated in a way that was, it made it very conducive to having 
fights where it was easy to get back in because the graveyards were so close and the fights were very localized. But I knew when the honor system came in that it was going to mean people were going to behave differently. People were going to kill each other not because they wanted the glory or because they wanted control of the area, which to me are very immediate mechanics that feel natural. And when you introduce a point incentive into this, suddenly you're, people you're start doing weird stuff. They're yeah, they're they're out. camping flight masters, right? And it you stops figure feeling... out the best way to gain the system because now there's a reward attached to it, and you and it, want the best reward possible. Yeah, and and that part of the game stops feeling like it exists in the world. It very clearly is like, oh, these are assholes on the internet. Like you stop feeling like you're in Azeroth, right? And yeah. like you're sitting in front of a computer wasting your time. Whereas when you're getting ganked by that orc warlock, you still feel like you're in the world. Like that's something that would happen. As frustrating as it might be, but then you call your friends and your friends are supposed to come help you take care of them. Right. I've been listening to a lot of content from an ex uh, WoW Vanilla developer named um, Kevin Jordan. Have you heard of him? I'm sorry. What was his name? Uh, Kevin Jordan. Sounds familiar. Yeah. He's, he's done a few the, the podcast circuit um, in various places. And he's he's one of those guys who is like an unapologetic old school developer where he's like yeah i made i, I we, we made the game this way because and we knew people weren't going to like it but it was going to be good for them like the idea of the the i think he actually said in one podcast he did that the phrase you think you do but you don't which is you know famously something that jay allen brack said in response to the community outcry for representation of the original world of warcraft vanilla which eventually came out um but in mouth a little bit there but the that 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 idea of the players think they know what they want but they don't is something that he really believes he really believes that as a developer your job isn't to listen to players and do what they think is what they the loudest voices say your job is to have your own idea for the way the game should be played to know better to think like a designer and create experiences that make the player uncomfortable enough to grow or to go into the parts of the game that are actually good. Like the experience of forming communities because you can't find people to to write, to go into a dungeon with because there's no dungeon finder. And um, Well, I think that idea has a lot of merit. As a developer, you have to, and, and I think they are, I think people like him definitely are okay with the idea that if you push that into the game, if you uphold that ideal, then you have to be okay with people not accepting that ideal or leaving the game because it's just not for them. Right. And in an enclosed environment, that's wonderful. But unfortunately, Guild Wars 2 and ArenaNet is owned by NCSoft and Blizzard is Activision. And those parent companies decide they want more profits than anything else. And so they want you to make challenging but friendly well maybe not even challenging but they want you to make a friendly game that will hook the kids in and keep them paying that monthly subscription or whatever mm -hmm. um and so those ideals sort of get lost uh camera right. unchained is supposed to be built on that ideal of we're going to make the game we want to make and i hope that whenever it releases if it releases that that will happen mm -hmm. originally i kickstarted it and i got my money back because they were dropping the ball in a lot of places but uh -huh. 
the idea of that is enticing that they're going to make the game that they want to make. Right. And either you're on board for that and you support them or you're not. And, that's I love a, and if you're not, that's okay. Yeah. And I, I feel like the thing that that is a reaction to, the thing that that is a reaction to, the attitude of we know the game we want to play and the players who like it are going to play it and they're going to love it. The players who don't care for it aren't going to like it and that's fine. I love that attitude. The opposite of that attitude is what I feel like we see with a lot of games, including Guild Wars 2, Retail World of Warcraft. I even look at games like Warframe and Destiny and see it there, which is this this idea that we have to have as many people as possible in the game to make sure our, our revenue streams work. And if we tell anyone that the way they want to play is not right... Or if we if we make the game in such a way that someone would not would want to not play, that's a failure. And what Ancient you do time. what you do when you do that over time, if you apply that over time, which we've seen Arena do, is you make a game that's for no one. And now no one knows how to play Guild Wars anymore. There's no point to mastering the economy. There's no point to being a, a PvP god. There's no point to being a dominant world versus world guild. There's no point to being an incredible raider. The people who actually give this game meaning are the creators like Mighty Teapot, who organizes his community drives. Like those are the things that actually yeah, give the, the big the big tournaments and so forth. Yeah, that's yeah. where the community comes out. Everything else is is idle in L.A. Right. You know. Yeah. Right. What 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 my stream is doing now? I'm actually showing a picture of Holbrek on my uh, on my my stream, which is I think one of the quintessential. Well, to be fair, not just Guild Wars, but any MMO experience, which is idling in the in the city and talking rather than playing but it brings to mind what you should be doing like you should be connecting with people there should be downtime that's what mmos can do well they don't just give you a game they give you a world and it's okay for the world to slow you down it's okay for the world not to connect you from instant gratification to instant gratification to make you work for it because when you work for it you connect with people to get there and you're more rewarded by having worked for it and connected with people and God help you, if, if, if you can't figure out that the best part of MMOs is the other people, I think you're lost if you don't know that. And unfortunately, unfortunately, I think Guild Wars 2 has lost at least some of that to an extent. Guilds are not that important within the game, generally speaking. For some content, uh, in, in some sense, there has to be, because World vs. World, for example... There has to be commanders, there has to be leaders that form these large groups. So those need to exist. But for the people who don't belong to those groups, that's okay because you can you can jump on their tail end, or you can tag. jump on their Discord and follow the tag, right? So in some ways, for that particular format, some of those guilds have to exist. But the game certainly allows you to play it solo if you want to in all aspects, really. Mm-hmm. And that's a bummer to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I talked about this with, uh, heck was, maybe it was on Twitter or something. Uh -huh. You know, I, I used to be in a guild with uh, Bog Otter, Aurora Peachy. Yeah. Um, Shout out to those folks. H, Night Road, a whole bunch of different people. Creators all? Most of them, not all of them, but okay. most of them were different types of creators or they wrote for fan sites or not all of them, but a, a good deal of them. Got it. 
Um, and we would get together once a week. I mean, you're talking about people who, generally speaking, are very busy anyway because they're streaming, they're making content. Mm -hmm. Some of them are just busy IRL anyway. But once a week, I think it was like Tuesdays or something, we got together and we did guild missions. And that lasted maybe two and a half, almost three years. Wow. But with no, with no updates. And we, <laughs> you know, Bogotter got a lot of funny videos out of that, I think. Uh -huh. But without updates to that system or with very minimal updates to that system, how long can you play that content even as a group of friends who just got together to goof off and have fun? You know, slowly but surely, you lose one person, you lose, you bleed yeah. members out until almost nothing is left. Yeah. And even if people like the experience, like, I'm sure after a year, you guys knew that that was an abandoned content stream. Like, I think you... it might have taken us two years, but yeah, I mean. Okay. <laughs> like, but, and, and don't get me wrong, the guild is still there, and a lot of those people are still connected. Right. But that getting together on Tuesdays, does that's it, the thing I that matters. I don't think it happened. Yeah, I don't think it yeah. happens quite as much. That's the payoff for 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 guilds. I think is having guild events and especially things that happen weekly. Um, People who don't belong to guilds will leave an MMORPG faster than those who are in guilds. Period. And I haven't been in a guild in like two and a half, three years or something. Here's my question, because I agree with you. Let's say that there are two universes. Universe A is this this world where people can play Guild Wars 2 without a guild because most of the game is just solo with 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 you know other humans grunting around you, other people, characters, whatever. Char. And universe B is one where the game made a choice about the identity that it wanted. Oh sorry. I shouldn't say made a choice, made a different choice and allowed itself to be a game that 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 was not for some people, that some people rubbed up against and Found it to be too challenging or too specific or too whatever. Um, would the same people who log in to play solo, I guess I'm asking myself, what, what's the value of, of having these solo players? I guess maybe they make, make as I go along this question, it's becoming less and less clear to me what I actually want to ask Yanks because on the one hand, I feel very let down by what Guild Wars 2 ended up being. Um, it's not enough for uh, me. But on the other I, hand... I, I would rather say what it currently is. Because I, I think they have one expansion and one season left before before something else. I See, I don't think the game will ever necessarily die, but I do think that the content will taper off into next to nothing. Yeah. And I, and I think they have an expansion plus one season left of semi-steady content until that happens. Right. And they put the resources elsewhere. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I don't have a lot of confidence that anything will be different. And so for me, the the feeling is that what we have is what we're going to get. You know, print it off across some new maps and some new regions with some new story beats, which I'll probably enjoy some of. Um, but it's not the reason I play Guild Wars. Like, if I want a really great story with new areas to explore, I'll just I'll play Cyberpunk, you know, or I'll go back and replay one of the thousands of great RPGs that I've never made time for in the past. I've never played a Dragon Age game. Um, there are other MMOs that I can play single player for. People say that the that the, that the, the Star Wars MMO, um, Star, Star Wars Sotor, yeah, that's what it's called, is that the, the single player story content yeah, in the game good, is really great. Good single player game, not so good multiplayer. I mean, it's okay as as an MMO RPG. Similar problem. It sounds like the, the, the single Wars. player is where it 
shines, kind of shines. That right. and the fact that you just want to be a Jedi. like Right, who doesn't want to be a Jedi wielding a lightsaber? <laughs> yeah, and I guess... It's, where, where it's I... funny because you get into SWOTOR, and later on I made a Stormtrooper, and I made different characters, you know. But mm-hmm. when you first start playing, and you're running around, let's say, day one, day two, whatever the case was, and you see people who weren't Stormtroopers, I just thought to myself, what are you doing? Do you have... <laughs> Do you have a Jedi character somewhere else, or do you really <laughs> identify with being a stormtrooper? Yeah, that's a now, rough one. Don't get me wrong. The bounty hunter, the Boba Fett character, I get it. Boba Fett's awesome. You know, I get you want to be yeah. a bounty hunter. But, like, one of them was, like, Imperial... I don't agent. remember all the classes. Any Imperial agent. The spy character, yeah. Really? That's that's what you connect with rather than yeah. being Darth Maul That's your or Star Wars fantasy, you know? huh? What's that's wrong that's with your you? Fan- You're in Star Wars and you can be anything you want and you want to be an Imperial officer. I want to be officer. the guy <laughs> sitting at the console in the pit in the, in the Star Destroyer. That's my fantasy. That's it. That's all I want to do. I don't, you know, I want to be the guy <laughs> who fixed little mouse droids and that's it. That's, you know, I don't yeah, want to be a I- Jedi or anything. <laughs> I want to be a guy who hears lightsabers and runs. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I guess, though, that... Okay, so I'm confronted by two realities. Number one, Guild Wars is clearly not 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 a game that lines up with what I really want, and that's okay. Like, it's okay to outgrow games. Um, I'm, I'm not too sad about that. Um, I guess what plagues my mind is I, I feel like what's interesting about Guild Wars is, is that I don't think that... I think that it's a game that has has no idea about how to go forward and set a community narrative that's positive for it. I think it has no idea. And I think it is, it is, okay. I'm going to tell you why. Please do. I'm looking for some insight on this, man. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. And I want to. I think, I think that ArenaNet knows exactly what they want the game to be and where they want the game to go. And regardless of my discontent or perhaps your discontent or Teapot's discontent or people that are like us or who have the same play patterns as perhaps we do or the same ones from a game as we do, we are not their audience. Mm-hmm. As difficult as that can be to hear for some people, as much time, as you've, time, money, resources you've invested into the game, as much as you might love the lore, the story, or whatever the case is, you are not their audience. And they mm-hmm. have a vision for the game. They have a direction for the game, but their direction is not going to make you happy. I'm okay with this. I'm actually totally okay with this. The thing that confuses me, because I've moved on from games in the past before, like no big deal. World of Warcraft went in a very weird direction for me. I left it behind without making a single complaint. But what I don't get is that if you look at the, the content that's out there, in social media, on Twitch, on YouTube, on on the on on the Reddit, on Twitter, if you get past the layer of like instructional videos, which there are people who are doing a great job with instructional content, and it's widely consumed, it's, like it's it's needed for any game. Um, if you get past that layer to like the opinion part of the community, people right. who are out there like talking about like what's good and bad, there, I feel like that part of the, that expression of the game has gotten away from ArenaNet and has been for a long time. Yes and no. See, here's the problem. You and I are trapped in the teapot bubble. <sighs> I don't mean to pick I don't mean to pick on Mighty you Teapot. You might be right. You might be right. But <clears throat> Mighty Teapot, Wooden Potatoes, whoever you want to put as the top creators. We're trapped in that bubble. 
because we have the thing, as I just said, we have the same thought processes as them. We share maybe not every opinion, but many of the same opinions about the game or the game that we want it to be or the games that we want to play. You, there are separate bubbles. There are separate universes out there, if if you want to call it that, that don't think like that at all. And I'll give you a great example. I don't, have you ever watched OMG Glitzy or OM Glitzy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm familiar with her. Right. She is in a completely different bubble than me, you, or Teapot, or even, I think, Wood Potatoes is in. True. Mm-hmm. And if you were to ask her opinion on the game... Uh, or ask similar questions like the conversation we had here tonight, I think that the take she would have would be very different from like the take that I have. That's a really interesting point. So what is it that causes the the teapots, the inks, maybe the WPs and the Ds of the world to come together and gripe? We're all jerks. No. Uh... I, I, I'm... <laughs> That that's probably no, no. True. It's it's uh, <laughs> we just we just have a different view on what we want out of the game. We wanted one thing out of the game, and we got that. And now we're done with that part, and we want more. In Teapot's case, and this is not true for me, but in Teapot's case, he wants challenging content he can do with his group of friends, mm-hmm. and he will do it all day, every day, twelve hours a day, whatever. He's okay. He he doesn't mind. And the repetitiveness doesn't the bother don't him. To him. Yeah, he's a four fun. As long that. as he can play with his friends. Yeah, but even the toll and the slow releases have bled out his friends, unfortunately, and so that does wear on him too, as, as well as you know anybody else. And but maybe that's if you it. Look at, if you look at somebody like Glitzy, she's in a completely different world and a completely different type of player as well. I think mm-hmm. um, Aurora Peach is a different one who exists in a world different from us and from glitzy in the sense that that her and bog otter are very much and i don't you know i'm not sure what bog's up to these days i don't quite follow as much but Mm -hmm. for peachy i know you know she still has her community day on tuesday where they dress up and they dance around and they do they do some content they do some story and they do whatever yeah and they're satisfied with that because when wednesday comes they're playing persona 5 or I don't know what other other games are out there right now. Right, right. You know what I mean? They're okay with the Tuesday bit for two or three hours, and they're satisfied with it. They're not upset or mad at ArenaNet. They can't wait for the next expansion, but at the same time, they can be patient, and they're not necessarily rushed or flushed about right. it. Right, and if people find those those expressions of the community as an outsider, that's welcoming. That's saying, hey, there's something here for me. I can be included. Is Even there some- the Reddit, who I don't necessarily talk fond of all the time when you see a post there was a post just this past week when there's a post where someone just says i just found guild wars 2 i'm loving every second of it there's a lot of positive response yeah not only does it go straight to the top there's a lot of positive responses in there from people saying enjoy the game and yeah you know positivity exudes from posts like that and you do see them pop up every couple of months or so or every couple of weeks or whatever so that portion does exist, but we're we are just part of a different sphere of the audience. What do you think? What do you think is the key? Is there is there a key differentiator there between those two worlds? I'm sure that there is, but I don't know how to quantify that. Well, really, I'm sure there is a big difference. Uh, personality, perhaps. 
and 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 maybe just in general what you're looking for from a game. Mm-hmm. You know, like you you said yourself, if Guild Wars Two is going to force it to be a single player story driven game, which it isn't totally, but it very much is in many regards, then I can go play The Witcher. I can go play Cyberpunk 2077 when that comes out, because I know mm-hmm. everybody and their brother will play that. You know, yeah. if a new Fallout comes out, I'll play that. If a new Oblivion or Elder Scrolls comes out, like I can have those experiences in companies that have been doing that for a very long time with a very high success rate mm-hmm. if I want that experience. Right. And those folks like the Peaches who have their Guild Wars day are good examples of people who treat Guild Wars as just a game that you play. And it doesn't need to be like a, like a, I want to use the word lifestyle game, but man, I hate that phrase. Because I, I guess in some ways I, I was trained by World of Warcraft and maybe you were too about what to expect from yeah. these kinds of games. Probably. And to, yeah, to probably. expect challenge and progression and meaningful, meaningful feeling payoffs that you can show to your friends and connect and, do, and you want to connect with them to help them get the same thing. And, and somebody in chat, Pixie, makes a good point that says about, they're, they're talking about game time. I am very fortunate in that I don't have children, so I don't have the responsibility of parenthood. Mm-hmm. I have a needy cat to take care of. That's my big gripe in life. (laughs) Um, I have my own other familial responsibilities. I'm a husband and so forth. But I also have quite a bit of free time to do with as I please. And so if I want to sit and play an MMO for four hours at night or maybe even five hours a night some days, I can do that. And not a lot, not everybody can. So if you don't have hour uh, let's say you only have like an hour and a half and for some people that's generous maybe you only have an hour and a half a day or at night or something Mm -hmm. or maybe a couple times a week to play a video game well then you know you're gonna you're going to consume and probably be very happy with the pace that guild wars 2 provides for you Mm -hmm. because it's going to take you a while to get through the story and you're okay with that it's going to take you a while to play the different metas that are in a new map and experience that. And it's going to take you a while to collect up for rewards and so forth. And so you get through that content much slower and that content lasts you much longer than people who have a lot more time to put into those games. Yeah. And a lot of times people who have a lot of time to put into those games are people who are doing it as students. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, like I, and this comes all back to when you were in your twenties, your early twenties, and maybe you were a student or maybe you I was in college when Mal came out. Or, yeah, exactly. So like, you know, yeah, I think I was in college as well. Uh, I might have been in my third year. Anyway, days, it doesn't man. matter. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter. The point is I had a lot – I had even more free time back then mm-hmm. to to goof around and play video games or to immerse myself in a world. You know? Yeah. And again, those people who don't have a lot of time, who take it slowly, and uh, that's a totally different sphere of the fandom is again – you know but what are they taking slowly in your opinion like what is it that they actually enjoy exploration about? exploration story mm-hmm. i don't think those people and i could be wrong but they probably don't play a ton of pvp maybe they roverse world one night a week or maybe two nights a week if they have a little bit of time they can hop on for say 45 minutes and join a, a group and run around a world mm-hmm. world or something mm-hmm. but as far as the the rpg elements go or the mmo elements go you know maybe they jump in and they can do one or two fractals or something a night to like Sanaqua Peaks or whatever, however you say that, however you say it just came out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I haven't played it 
not interested. But you know, if you me neither. If you only have a couple of hours a week or something, then you know, you won't get as tired of that as quickly as say Mighty Teapot, who has probably cleared it sixty times by now. Do you think there are people who are not playing the game and then start playing to experience a new fractal? I, I don't think sense those people exist. Back. I don't think it, I don't think that I don't think a fractal is going to bring you back necessarily. I think yeah. story will bring you back for some people. I think that's but... a crucial insight. I think that that's a crucial insight about the way that the Guild Wars 2 is is over time the weight of development has been placed on the things that will bring players back. And I'll, I'll give you a good example. I got an email from Destiny 2 today. They have some kind of new yeah. thing getting released. They teased the new exotics for the new expansion. I got that email too. Okay, so I looked at it. I browsed it. I didn't really read it. I skimmed it, you know. And I, my first thought was, do I want to go back and play Destiny 2? I'm going to have to gear up quite a bit. I know my guns and armor are low level at this point. Mm -hmm. I, wonder how f I wonder how quickly I can bring myself up without feeling too much of a grind so that I can play the new content. Mm -hmm. And the chances are I'm probably not going to log back in to Destiny 2. Like, that's not enough to pull me back in just yet. Right. I need something a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And I think they're asking you to pay for an expansion or something. Yeah, they're paid. No. Yeah, so... And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's not going to pull me back well, in. It's not no barrier a... for you, right? As opposed to like yeah. a free story release. Yeah, it's another barrier. Right. Interesting. Yeah, I look at the content like fractals and raids, and when I see that, I see people who like Guild Wars 2 is their main game if they're doing that content, and they want a lot from the game. They want it to be rewarding and demanding, and they want it. They want to feel like their skill and investment matters, and they're going to play the game whether or not new content is coming out. I feel like they're going to do their daily fractals. They put in a new Probably. weekly raid achievement. Yeah. Uh, sorry, a, a new weekly raid reward, which is, you know, years past due, but, you know, better late than never for the CMs. And um, the problem is that those players who would have been lured back by a new fractal or more importantly, a new raid, a lot of those people are gone because ArenaNet wasn't able to release the six or eight raid wings a year that they said they were going to that they never could. Mm hmm. And, and by now, too much time has passed that they're not going to believe that you're going to be able to keep that up. Yeah. And with every raid release, you see a lower and lower population come back to play that raid. Right. Yeah, I, I felt that too. Unfortunately... I, I, I think I've come back to play every raid release except for the last one. I've never played raid eight. I haven't played the last two or three, I think. Probably the last two. Okay. I haven't. Actually, the, the whole Jin... I played right. that first wing, and that was it. So with, I haven't played with the pack of fire assets. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, but I think so. You know, speaking about raids like that, unfortunately, the message that ArenaNet is going to get, the data that they'll collect, is that well, players don't really like raids. It's not worth our time. Which is unfortunate because that's not the reason that they're not coming back to your raids. They're not coming back because of how infrequent and how it's cleared in a day. You yeah. know. You're not really providing that challenge if you're clearing it in 24 hours with a skilled group. An unskilled group, don't get me wrong, it'll take you a lot longer. But if you're on the teapot level and a lot of his friends who have bled off, if you're at that level and you come back, you're going to clear it in less than 24 hours, and then you're gone again for and eight no months to, to 11 months. Out. 
Yeah, because you never need to because there's no gear to attain. There's no new stats to unlock. Right. And you already have legendary on three is... classes, and they're bringing in this legendary armory, which is going to make gear even less meaningless. Yeah. Why do they keep doing this? <laughs> and then, and then you have, then you have to wait eight to eleven months for the next raid. And eight to eleven months, forget it, man. You're I think raids are playing done, something else. Yeah, yeah, they are. I think we'll see strikes. With, right, with, and I with, think, with and I don't know how, making... I don't know how popular strikes are, and that's certainly not necessarily what teapot and crowd have been asking for but i think that content is easier and more frequent for them to produce than raids or even fractals for that matter i get the sense that people do their their strikes because their rewards are decent and they're easy it's the same reason people do their dailies like easy decent rewards why would i not do it uh i haven't done dailies in years well, good for you dude <laughs> two that... two gold is two gold is not enough for me to that takes a Care. lot of restraint, in my opinion. <laughs> do you have your your uh, little tracker pane on the UI hidden, or or do you leave that up there while you're no, not doing your dailies? No, it's there. I just I don't I don't Damn, pay man. attention to it anymore. That now, don't get me wrong. For years, probably the first four or five years, not only did I do every daily. I, first of all, I've hit the daily cap, and I hit the monthly cap before they took that away. Like Damn. I couldn't get any more points even if I wanted to. Uh -huh. So once that incentive is gone, which is a meaningless incentive anyway, but once that incentive is gone, two gold is not enough to make me want to do right. whatever mundane task they have given me. So, right. yeah, yeah, I haven't done a daily in forever. And that sort of goes hand in hand with luck as well. I used to chase luck down, but I've been luck capped for like three years. Mm -hmm. So luck just accumulates in the bank. And once a year, I can sell it for a nominal amount of silver. Who cares? Exactly. That's pointless too, you know. And anyway, we're it's. Yeah, 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 man. Me, dude, me too. And I'm sure you got there a lot earlier than I did. But what you describe is what I feel. But there was I'm, a time. I'm, I'm really. Don't get me wrong. Where I did dailies every day. I didn't miss a day. I didn't miss a day. I had monthlies done two days into the month, and I had every like I was a I was a big achievement chaser early on. I had every achievement up to I forget when I stopped trying. Wow. How like, I went out of my way to get every achievement, even like like there's achievements, uh, there's repeatable achievements, especially during the holidays now. But mm -hmm. even back then, they had them where you had to do like the race 10, uh, 10 times to get one global achievement. Mm -hmm. I, and then you could do that global achievement 10 times. So I would do 100 or 1,000 stupid oh, races that God. I didn't want to do just because I wanted the achievement points. Dude, that FOMO badly. does work on you. Yeah, FOMO is FOMO is very bad for me. Yikes! But you know what happened? Um, I started traveling for uh, Christmas to go back and see my mom. I hadn't seen her in like three or four years at one point. So I, I went back to see her, and I missed a Winter's Day. And because I missed a Winter's Day, I didn't get all the achievements. And ever since then, it was kind of like broke the spell. You yeah, I I broke my streak. So what is the point? I, the point is gone now. So. Luckily, and that's a that's a good thing. That's a positive thing. It is not healthy to chase every achievement in the game like that. I, I don't think. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, unless you enjoy it, if you really, but I didn't enjoy it. I, I don't just think anyone does because I had yeah. an account that had all that. I think people who are checking boxes off of achievement panes just to get points. I don't think anyone enjoys that. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but like one of the so going way back, we're talking about mental health at the start of this uh, discussion. Um, 
same guy we were talking about talking about earlier, healthy gamer GG, Dr. Alok Kanojia. Um, one of the things he talked about in the, in the same lecture series um, that I was referring to earlier is about uh, dopamine exhaustion and the feeling that gamers get of, I still play the game every day, but I don't like it. But nothing else is fun either. And this is the thing people do to themselves when they throw themselves into a game like World of Warcraft or Guild Wars 2 or whatever, you know, other games too. I've been there with every MMO I've ever played. Right. I think it's common for people like you and me to do that for whatever reason. Um, I know I certainly have been there too. And what the, what what the Dr. K said is that the only way to make uh, to make things that aren't the game feel like they're worth doing again, interesting again, is to give yourself a two week to two month break from the game. Just get away from it. And I experienced that too because what would happen is I would play World of Warcraft back in the day. It was it was either boom or bust for me. I was either obsessed or I was or I was taking a break because I had played to the point of hating it and not wanting to log in and resenting it. Um, like I, I well, was completely and, and get, unself-aware of what I was doing. Guild Wars Two is very good at it, but nobody is better than WoW when it comes to the daily checklist. You know, right. you log in. I gotta do these things for this faction and this thing for this fact, you know what I mean? I log mm -hmm. in, I got chores to do every day. I can't be, you know what I mean? Daily routines, time yeah, gates, yeah. time gated rewards. It's crazy. But, um, you know, I think I got to, to a spot where it was pretty hard for me to get overly addicted to any game at a certain point in my life because I just didn't have enough time to get to, to get to the point where I, I felt like, I hated logging into a game. I mean, maybe with Guild Wars, I got there a little bit, but um, it's ever since I started doing this podcast, the way that I play games has changed. Like, I, I don't know if you experience as a creator at all. Um, have you done content? So you said that you've been streaming since playing. When you say you were playing back in the day? Rift. I started streaming when Rift was around. Rift, when Rift was right. popular. So I, I, I only know you for your Guild Wars 2 content, but have you done content for other games? I've tried a couple of times in in the more modern, I guess, modern inks, if you want to call it that. Um, you know, I've tried playing different genres of games. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, as a creator, if you're not careful, it's very easy. It's just like sort of a character actor who gets pigeonholed into one character. Right. You get pigeonholed into one game, and then that game is, is it. It's funny because you posted this on reddit this podcast here on reddit saying in seven hours come and check us out yeah and there's a guy on there sausage xxl pretty well known as being not super nice let's say uh which is pretty typical behavior and he had left a comment that says his career was over with tea time or something like that and i laugh at the word career because that's sort of ridiculous for me it's not a career but anyway <laughs> But that's what I'm known for. I'm known for Guild Wars 2. And maybe more specifically, I'm known for doing podcasts. I'm known mm -hmm. by a lot of people for either A, Tea Time, or B, Guild Gap. Those were the two big podcasts. And, and I did a lot of other smaller podcasts along the way. Sure. I even had my own podcast a very long time ago before I did mm -hmm. either of those two. But those were the two big podcasts where I was on every week for years. And so that's where people know you from. And I've tried streaming other games. Like I said, I, I play a lot of Arena, and I do stream them. But 90% of the time, either people are not 
they're not looking for you in another game or another genre. Mm -hmm. Um, or they only watch you when you're when you're playing Guild Wars 2. I can mm -hmm. do nothing in Guild Wars 2. I can gather my home instance for two hours and have ten times more viewers than playing at like a a a, a um, at a mythic level on arena. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That's just yeah. the way it is. And yeah, well, it's, you're a it's not impossible. Guild Wars. Well, I don't know about that, but I'm I'm certainly more well known and Guild Wars, and for Guild Wars content. And um, Guild Wars, you know, like Teapot had said, we talked about this a long time ago, about Guild Wars 2 being that comfort MMO. I've tried to play other MMOs. In fact, I, I was one of the early alpha testers on ESO, which they didn't want to listen to me, which, not, not just me, but they didn't want to listen to us alpha testers or the beta testers release a game that nearly failed on them, and then they had to revert to the suggestions, and now it's popular. Go figure, you know, but anyway, <laughs> uh, but anyway, you know, I've tried to play games like ESO. I tried to play Wildstar when that first came out. Uh -huh. um, I really can't get into Final Fantasy 14, even though I hear good things about it at Endgame. Um, but for me nowadays, it's like, you know, step one, how is the combat? If the combat feels good and fluid, okay, I'm still, I'm still listening. Two, world exploration is important to me. Do I feel like I'm exploring the world? Do I feel like um, I'm getting something out of that exploration? Okay, maybe that sticks. Okay, step three, what am I looking for next when I play? How is the guild system? What is the crafting like? How annoying is it? Is there a global auction house? Is there not a global auction house like ESO, which I hate? Um, and I hate it because I'm spoiled by World of Warcraft. You got a shopping too. list. What you right. look for. I, yeah, I have a shopping list of what I look for in a game. And on top of that, like I tried to go back to retail WoW a couple of years ago, and I couldn't stay with it because the improvements of life, the ease of life in Guild Wars 2 to deposit all my materials and to easily change what I'm wearing and all that kind of stuff that WoW may or may not have now because I haven't kept up with it. it those, those ease of life things just didn't exist and annoyed the hell out of me that the game didn't have it. If my inventory gets full in World of Warcraft, can I just deposit it into a material bank? I don't think you can. At least you couldn't when I played, so... The game I know that does that is Guild Wars. But then again, I'm not much of an MMO shopper. Yeah, so, right, so... for you, Guild Wars 2 literally is a comfort MMO. It's what's comfortable to you. And ArenaNet yeah, keeps... Yeah, and, keeps and not, having those, not having that ease of life in a lot of other games kills the game quickly for me. It just it can't uh... survive. Which, which sucks, but at the same time, it's like, this is so easy to implement. Just do it. Why are you making me run to a mailbox? Why am I repairing armor in 2020? Like, come on. I have some answers <laughs> for that. Um, but no, this is very, in I find that this is a very interesting perspective. Like, because I've never been able to relate to that. Um, you are like, and Arena keeps raising the bar on access and ease of life. They're always looking for new new conveniences to sell. That's part of their business model, right? And doing that doubles down on the game's identity. And it doubles down on the OM glitzies and the Orpichis of the world who have their, their communities that jump into Guild Wars and jump out. And they don't need to have regular raid releases. They don't need to have regular fractal releases because you can jump into an open world map, do a meta, queue into a strike, uh 
move your materials around, have a thousand bag slots. I mean, the number of bag slots, bag slots you can get these days is unreal. Like it's it's yeah, a lot. It's a frictionless. I don't even have it maxed anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I did for a long time too. But then I it got to a point where it didn't. I was like, I, I don't actually need the, the amount of space I have, especially with legendary armor. I used to carry around three to four sets of ascended gear because I was like, I might need to raid at a moment's notice. Of course, that never happens. <laughs> but uh, um, it was a nice lie I told myself to excuse the grind to get all those bag slots where I needed to do. Like, I, I, I just, that's what kind of propels me through an experience like WoW or Guild, or Guild Wars is to have some bit of friction that forces me to engage with the world. And I, 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 think, I think about like... Again, like World of Warcraft, and I think about when I talk about that, I'm always talking about the vanilla experience, um, old school WoW, not retail. I actually haven't touched retail WoW since Wrath of the Lich King, so I don't know anything about the way the game is now. Um, but I have learned to love when that game forces me to spend 15 minutes traveling between locations. And I'll tell you why I learned to love it, because it forces you to accept the world on its terms. And that makes the world feel real because you know what other world is like that? This one, the one we're sitting in. And it also, yes, I would love that. It also, there are ways to mitigate the travel time. If you are connected socially, there are warlocks, there are mages, there are ways to move around the world. If you're smart, if you play the game and if you, if you socialize and if you don't, you can connect with people in the meantime, watch content while you're traveling, find ways to engage with the community and with the space of the world without needing to have that 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 cocaine logic of give, get, give, get, give, get. So I love I love walking through the barrens. See on a lot of those points. At the same time, <clears throat> I can remember getting on a boat or on a griffin. And that was my signal to get up and get a drink or go to the bathroom. Yep. Because the game is auto flying me or taking me somewhere. And that's my time to go for a break. So on one hand, I, I could be interacting with people. And sometimes I'm sure that I did. But that was also like my, I can go take a break while the game is doing whatever. And I think BDO had a system. I didn't get, I didn't play a whole lot of BDO, but BDO had a system where you could like set your mount or horse or whatever to travel to the next town, like auto ride. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you could stop it whenever you wanted to get off, engage and do whatever you want. But if you just wanted that experience of let's get on the train to the next stop, you could do that as well, which I think that's probably a nice compromise. Can I, can I tell something you like that? Yeah. I love that idea. I love that idea. There's a game where I've wished for that. Actually. Um, I, I love Skyrim. Um, amazing game. I love the world. The lore is so fun in it. Um, it's like a mile wide and two inches deep. So you, you got to travel across it. And I have wished in that game because you you can get a horse. There's no auto ride functionality, um, but there's auto runs. And if you can go into a straight line and not be attacked, you're fine. And there are, there's like, like um, carriage transport you can pay for, but it's just instantaneous. There's phase to black and then unfade and you're there and time has passed. I want an experience where you get into a cart and you travel real time through the world. And I want to open up a Skyrim book and read it while I'm traveling. Because that feels like what, what it, I would do right. if I were actually in Skyrim. 
But at the same time, you want to have the ability to hop off in the middle of that trek to do something if you see something interesting. In a game like that, that's single player, yes. Like, that's probably good to have. Like but... in World of Warcraft, I get on a griffin, he takes me to from point A to point B. Yes, I get to see all this landscape in between, but I can't stop in the middle. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you, you can get off on, like, individual fight masters, right? If you're right, but it, it has to go from A to B. To, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I'm not specifically endorsing the fight master system. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's amazing. I, I just appreciate when the game applies friction and denies me convenience. And, right. Because yeah. you're, you're, you're trading the convenience of my moment to moment. Like, like, I, I, and this is a word that I, I'm borrowing. Definitely doesn't do that. <laughs> this, this, this is a word I'm going to borrow from Rich Campbell, who hosts All Craft with Asmund Gold, and that is a big wow content creator. Um, there's a what he calls cocaine logic that that is a temptation of game design, which is the idea that players should always be able to get work towards what they want immediately. They shouldn't feel like they're being held back from pursuing something that they want. I want to travel to Radisum. Okay, I'm just gonna open the map and double click the waypoint, or I'm gonna get or I'm gonna portal there from my my convenience hub, which has everything within a stone's throw cocaine logic i want i get but if you can withhold yourself from that what you can do is build an experience that feels more like you're in a world and that's why i liked playing wow classic last fall and i mean i told you why i quit when the pvp system came out um i also felt like i didn't need to relive raid progression um but well that's that's why i didn't go back to it teapot really wanted me to go back and i'm, I'm i just said to him i already beat that content i beat that content yeah, 15 years ago when it was relevant. <laughs> yeah, and don't get me wrong, you playing for the because he had never played you playing for the first time, it will be relevant for you. Mm -hmm. But it ain't relevant for me anymore. I've already beaten it and done it many times over. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So, and I think some things were slightly different or something, but not different enough that it would change the experience for me. Yeah, it's easier because the way that they implemented. I, I can wow. I can remember what it was like to try and raid with 40 people and it was not fun no it was that, hell I, dude i, I know and it sounds no like tools. fun yeah roger will sounds for 40 like fun people? but no it, it wasn't as fun as you think it was <laughs> yeah but like again i have this this terrible boomer feeling and maybe i'm i'm hitting it so hard because i see so few games trying to do it or i've not been playing them i don't know but it's okay for a game to be hard. It's okay for a game to not not give you ease of access as long as they're trading it for something that is in the world like. And I, I think that one of the things that I'm a little confused about in my mentality is time gating. Um, you know, one of the big things in Guild Wars 2 related to time gates that has been was was kind of made, made the community murmur a little bit was uh, the sky scale when it came in at the end of season 4. Did you get your sky scale, Inks? Uh, yeah, I just had a conversation about this today. Yeah, I did it twice. Ooh. So I did it once for myself, and I did a good portion of it for my wife as well, so mm -hmm. she could have her sky skin. She did some of it, but I, I did a good portion of it. And at some point, and uh, they burnout. softened. Ugh. Sorry, go ahead. Gosh, burnout. You know, even yeah. with even with this even with the softening of the, first of all, I, the sky scale is terrible. I don't care what people say. Oh. The, the the implementation is really bad as far as 
acquiring the sky scale because the first three parts are basically all the same. It's three scavenger hunts, more or less, in the same map, looking almost in the same place a lot of the times, but you made me do it three times. Ugh. It just That's terrible, man. It just kills my soul. It's too much. It feels you artificial. Know? They yeah. could have made me do that once and maybe another uh, hide-and-seek in like another map or something, but yeah. you made me do it three times in the same map with almost no variation whatsoever in what I was doing. Um, and don't get me wrong, the time gate is artificial. It's silly. I don't agree with time gates in general whatsoever. Um, reducing the time gate, okay, cool, whatever. I think people made way too big a deal out of whatever the time gate was. I think even I made too big a deal out of it at the time. Um, but I, I think time gates are just a cheap trick for developers to make you waste time. Which Gotta use them for. well. Yeah. That's one thing about Classic WoW that, right, that it, it did pretty well. So there weren't there weren't a lot of time gates in that game. Like, there were weekly ra raid lockouts. Not a ton. Much it. Yeah, there were weekly raid lockouts. Later on, there was, like, opening, um, opening the temple. I can't remember the name. Oh, Ankaraj, Gates of Ankaraj. Yeah, that happened one time. That's a different sort of time gate, I guess. But you know, yeah, like that was a whole thing. And and um, anyway, I think 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 that WoW put its first daily thing in its first daily quest in with Burning Crusade. Um, yeah, when they released the Sunwell, I, I remember they added a whole new island that had daily quests on it. And... Yeah, they well, uh, even getting your key for Karazhan, wasn't that like a you could only do it? I can't remember now. It's been too maybe. Long. God, I don't remember. I remember running Karazhan a lot for some reason. I don't remember why now, mm -hmm. but I remember we did it a lot so that people could get something they needed. I don't remember now. Mm -hmm. yeah, Karazhan was a fun, fun place to go. I mean, it was good. Don't get me wrong, but you know, we we did it a lot. <laughs> yeah, there there, there was certain... a there was a key you had to have, or a, they didn't call it a key; they called it something else. Was it to get into Serpent Shrine? Maybe it's been too remember. long. I can't remember. Anyway. Um, but yeah, like so. But, but all arbitrary, I think that, right? Like, I think that w when 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 a game exchanges convenience, it needs to give something, and the thing that it gives doesn't have to be an easy thing to under. It doesn't have to be an easy thing, like an instant gratification. Like I talked about enjoying traveling. In fact, it probably shouldn't be. It probably shouldn't be instant gratification because mm -hmm. it's not generally a good thing, believe it or not. I know it feels good, but it, it's not necessarily good for the game. Yeah, and over time, you're going to get less out of it. I think. So, like, but what did the sky scale, was the sky scale made better by the time gate? I think that probably it wasn't. No, I don't think so. And part of that time gate, too, was making one of the crystals or something, which, again, crafting time gates are really silly, in my opinion, as well. Right. They don't want you for, let's say, ascend, ascended gear, right? If you're going to, you can bypass a time gate with money, <laughs> mm -hmm. but... You know, the time gate is exists and is there just to slow you down. Not for any good reason, not for any thematic reason, not yes. for any logical reason. It. it just exists because they don't want you to do it in a day. And because they know that you'll do it. Because because they've already Some programmed people, you to accept it. The Royer will do it. The Deroyers of the world will have it done. What in will like the Deroyers of the world not do? <laughs> I thought it was really interesting talking to Teapot when he we were talking about um you know the revelation of the shuttered projects and how 
a bunch of the company wasn't even working on the game. And he mentioned, he called it DeRoyer specifically as being pretty, pretty burned by that and how he took a step back in content. Um, still playing the game, but lost his muse when when that happened. Do you feel like that's happened to you too or something like that? On a much smaller level. Yeah, on a much smaller scale, on a much smaller level. Mm-hmm. I mean, DeRoyer is a very dedicated and hardcore player when he wants something in the game and when his particular goal not only does he attack it or complete it very quickly but he does it efficiently as well where i'm the opposite i am not an efficient player i will waste so much time like you know instead of uh i'm trying to think of a good example in heart of thorns there's a very efficient way that you can uh hop maps and hop events to maximize the rewards you get. I am not only inefficient, but lazy, and I'll just do one event and one event and one event. And the time it takes me to do three, he's probably done five or something. Do you know what I mean? Is he's just way, way more efficient. Is that actually fun, though? Like, well, for him, it is. I have yeah, a I mean, that you him, had more fun than he did. I don't know. I, I, I have a lot less stuff on my account, that's for sure. <laughs> the the uh... other thing, too, is... Because he spent so much time and effort and optimization in playing that way and doing those things, when they pull the rug out from under you, you fall harder than those who were a lot lazier about it. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't want to speak for Dreyer, but I think in his case that probably happened. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I felt certainly felt something about it, and I was a lot less invested than pretty much anyone I've ever talked to about the game. So can only imagine anyway um i wanted to ask you inks about okay here's a last big guild wars topic that i want to hit on with you and it's kind of a classic it's an mmo inks classic it's a moot point these days i think raids are probably done at least new raids but i want to ask you to once again defend the idea that raids should not have an easy mode and i'm gonna i'm gonna do this well, by 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 adopting the point of view of, of ArenaNet, where I think everyone should play my game and enjoy all the content. And I think that Rage should have an easy that, mode. Actually, this isn't, exist. This, this isn't what ArenaNet doesn't <laughs> actually think. Like, I'm going to be some, some fictional For alternate rates. universe ArenaNet. But, I mean, you know the traditional oppositional argument. The argument for easy mode. It's like, oh, more raids would exist if more people were playing it. And if you get more people to play it, we need, we need to relax the skill, but we, but make it so fun for people who want a skilled thing. So we should have two different modes. World of Warcraft does this. It's a well-known way to do it. Um, so they why didn't not? always they didn't always do it, but true. they do it now. True. Yeah. So uh, when when I played WoW, that wasn't a thing. But anyway, me too. So um, why is easy mode a bad thing? So. I think maybe like Teapot, or maybe he just likes to play devil's advocate a lot. <laughs> um, I used to believe that it was a bad thing, or, or I used to believe that it just wasn't necessary. Over time, I have definitely changed my mind and softened my stance on it, and where I think that the Guild Wars 2 player base needs an easy mode that has less and that has less rewards, that is less challenging, has less mechanics or introduces mechanics more slowly. Mm-hmm. In the same regard, I think that Guild Wars 2 needs an actual challenge or nightmare mode because the CMs that exist today are really not that more challenging than the regular boss. Mm-hmm. And 
they only reward you once, which is ridiculous. Well, they they have the new you know? weekly thing that hooks into that now. Yeah, they they do, but you know that's that's very new, right? Yeah, um, day late. The the CM rewards should have been repeatable since forever, yeah. and they probably should have had an introductory mode, or a story mode, or an infantile mode, or whatever you want to call it, so that more people could get in and experience it and play it. Maybe that doesn't have to be unlocked day one, and some people myself included, used to argue, and some still do probably, that it's already easy mode. It's already not that challenging. But you really do have to take into the idea that not everybody is going to, not first of all, not everybody's going to enjoy that type of content. Not everybody's going to have that same level of skill or necessary the time to practice and i don't practice rotations i'm not a rotation practicing person mm -hmm. i used to be for wow but then guild wars 2 the way um <clears throat> i'm just too lazy now i guess as i get older i'm too lazy um and i don't care if i top the dps charts because i'm not running that program anyway uh where yeah. in world of warcraft i used to run every add-on you could imagine you know Recounting. really really my my viewing field in wow was that's the OG way to like, play WoW like raids, that, man. That, like that. All, and all, all your raid frames, and then your unit yeah. frames, and you got yeah. like like your buff list, and all all of your shortcut keys and macros. Yeah, man. That that was the way. So eight hundred by six hundred. Yeah, for raids, I think I kind of think it's too late at this point. Mm. A, a year and a half, or almost two years ago, if they would have implemented in easy mode, I think they probably could have saved themselves. And I think they probably could have saved raids. At this point, like I said, I think there's probably going to be one more raid, and that might be it, if you even see that. Because I, they were working on something that they haven't released yet. I don't know when that's going to come or whatever. But regardless of that, raids just aren't that popular because of the way it was implemented. Um, and because of the resources that ArenaNet took away from those teams to produce consistent rates mm -hmm. uh, and challenging rates too like for example they they produced um what was the big boss that people had difficulty with matthias uh, matthias yeah so they produce no not matthias they produce uh doom right oh right pretty challenging fight i would say you know if you've done it a hundred times of course it isn't but the first time you do it i think doom is pretty challenging personally mm. especially if you don't know his mechanics it's the first time you're seeing it and all that kind of i think doom's pretty challenging in fact i would almost say he's the pinnacle of challenge uh a teapot and nike i think would disagree with me on that but anyway let's just say doom is the pinnacle of challenge everything after doom was much easier than doom mm -hmm. the the raids that released after him they scaled the bosses back once again and i don't you know, it's don't get me wrong, it's difficult to constantly one up yourself. In fact, it's impossible because eventually you're going to hit a point where you can't one up yourself. And yeah. World of Warcraft got to the problem where they expected and needed players to have Deadly Boss add on or whatever it was called, Deadly Boss mod, that you had to have that on in order to even play the game because yeah. you needed to know when phase transitions were happening and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, I think I, I, it used to be my opinion that, and I, I and to a certain degree, I still hold this opinion. Under the right tutelage, anybody can clear the raids in Guild Wars 2. Mm -hmm. 
and I think Teapot has actually proven this a couple of times by by going on a random account of his that's undergeared, in fact, I think Necromancer usually, um, taking random people and clearing a raid where most of them had never done it before. Yeah. it's It really comes down to a matter of communication, patience, and explaining the fight. You could say that falls into communication, but explaining the fight leadership. as it happens. Yeah. Leadership. If you have those qualities in a group, then almost anyone, I think, can, you know, unless you have a disability of some sort, can succeed at clearing the Guild Wars 2 raids. If you take a bunch of people who have no idea what they're doing, zero leadership, zero idea of what happens in the fight, you're going to struggle, of course. Yeah. Of course you're going to struggle. Um, you know, that that's just how games are in general, right? Yeah. Um, some of the best groups in raids that I've ever been a part of, be it World of Warcraft, Rift, which had the best raid of all time in Hammernail, hmm. uh, and World of Warcraft, and, and all those other games tour that I played, the best raids have always been leadership and communication. One person to call out the calls. If there's a mechanic where you need to throw something, you need to you need to say that. You need to do that. You need to communicate you're throwing it. Um, it's kind of like the uh, the uh, what's what's the boss with the bombs? Wow, or in, in Guild, Wars. Guild Wars 2. Sabatha? Sabatha. I wanted to call her Sabrina. Sabatha. You need to communicate going north, going west, going south. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, good example. Communicate that stuff, and that boss is easy. It's yeah. a breeze. Don't communicate it, and you'll miss 90% of your throws. You won't transition the fight, and you'll die. Yeah. So it's about communication and leadership is what it really comes down to, and understanding the fight. You know, and if yeah. you don't understand the fight, you need a leader who does understand the fight in and out to tell you, you need to do this. You need to do that at 10%. We're doing this. And then when 10% happens, call it out and tell them because people will get so focused, you know, they'll, they'll get uh, tunnel vision and they'll, they, they won't see it's at 10% and they have to stop DPS or whatever the case is. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Right. So in that respect, I don't think easy mode is necessary for Guild Wars 2. Because the community, on the other hand, because anyone can clear the raid if they approach it the right way, if they engage with the game right. the way that it's presented, right. if they take common raid practices that have been passed down since World of Warcraft or maybe even before then. Mm -hmm. uh, and don't get me wrong, I know not everybody played WoW, and not everybody has the same that same level, but there's always somebody in your guild or somebody in your group inevitably who has that has to had that experience yeah. or you can find someone who has that experience with training guilds and and so forth right um and that's why i that's why i used to be a firm believer that you don't need easy mode mm -hmm. because the game is not the the raids can be fun and challenging but they're not so difficult that they're impossible for a random group of people to do uh, especially with the right steps and procedures in place on the other hand, you have a game created by ArenaNet that has held your hand and fed you every single day of your life. And so you're not used to thinking for yourself and you're not used to those raid procedures. What is a raid? I, you know, the dungeons didn't work this way. Fractals don't really work this way if until I die, the higher fight, level CN. If we die, the fight ends? What? That makes no sense. Yeah, yeah. You know, you can't resurrect me and now I need 10 people. I don't even have 10 friends. That's the old joke, right? I only have five yeah. friends. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of, I, I, 
that that's why I used to be very much against it because I felt like the community needed to adapt and not the game adapt to the community, which is what has always happened. Unfortunately, um, ArenaNet takes the, those sorts of analytics way too way too serious, in my opinion, mm -hmm. and they diverted resources away from raids when they should have not done that. Mm -hmm. I mean, you literally have two modes, fractals, you've got strikes now, but strikes didn't exist then. You've got fractals and raids, and that's your endgame content. That's it. Story is not really endgame content because you, you're going to cakewalk through the story, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I mean, this 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 attitude of about the game is good, meet the game at its level, is exactly the what I like and the, what attracted me to raids in the first place. Um, the other problem they had was they put interesting story in the raids. That's good, uh, though. They, that should put be that the, way. <clears throat> they put nostalgic story in the raids, I should say, like Saul D'Alessio and, and what happened with him. Yeah. And then you had a bunch of people from Guild Wars who were certainly not used to any sort of World of Warcraft raid environment or typical MMO raid environment. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. and and they're not prepared for that. And they, they don't necessarily want to raid. They just want that story in the way that they used to get it. Yeah, and I think calling it raids was it was not a good idea either, because the second you say raid, you have the connotations of all the other MMORPGs that came before it. I think that they also benefited from that though too. I get the sense that a lot of people who wouldn't have engaged with Guild Wars if there wasn't a raid checkbox that was ticked. Yeah, maybe you could be right. But in the state that they're in now. You ask the community what they think of raids. I mean, it's not a selling point for the game. So whatever that thinking was has obviously changed. Yeah. Um, and once again, they they didn't support it. They supported it for a little while. They got off to a really good start, in my opinion. But in the, at the end of it, or th halfway through, they stopped supporting the game mode. I mean, let's not even talk about World vs. World. That, that'll mm -hmm. be another three hours of not supporting the game mode for I can't, since launch. I can't but... speak to that at all, but that's the meme of it all, right? <laughs> Alliances. But World, World vs. World is kept alive because of the people in World vs. World, not anything ArenaNet's ever done for them. Well, it's probably the best community game mode in the game because it actually needs other... It actually needs people to work. You can't... I mean, you can play it solo, but there's nothing to, there's not a lot to play for yeah, other not, than, not, than bragging yeah, rights. Really. Um, yeah, I, I totally respect World versus World. At the same time, I never felt compelled to join it myself. But, you know, I find myself agreeing with you about about the easy mode thing. I can't really argue against that. I don't really feel passionately that, that it should or shouldn't exist. Um, the the you thing know, that... Like I said, initially I didn't think it, it had to. I, I felt like players, like you said, players need to rise up and meet the game. Mm -hmm. Not the game needs to meet the players. But and that would have been appropriate clear, years ago. When it was when it was clear after the first three raid wings that that wasn't happening or wasn't going to happen, then you need to add an easy mode, you know, a story mode, whatever. When you was the call first it. challenge mode? Was that uh, the slippery slubbling? Yes. Wing I two. Think so. Okay. I think so. I'm just thinking because the thing that haunts the thing that that bothers me is this idea because I I've. I think that when you play a game like a live services game like Guild Wars 2 and the game doesn't go along a path that you like, that there's a tendency, and I have this tendency, certainly, to think that, that, that the studio is fucking up, that they don't get it. They don't understand what players want. But 
looking at it from more of an outsider perspective, to the extent of it that I can muster, because I do love the game and love the world, and I do have opinions about it, I can't help but wondering, like, all these choices to, to move away from challenging group content to double down on story. Like the thing you said earlier about story being the thing that brings people back has really stuck with me. Maybe ArenaNet are actually geniuses and we got tricked into thinking the game was something that it's not. And Guild Wars 3, when we get it, which I mean, for my part, I hope it does happen. Maybe they, it's more of like a Hitman kind of game where it's content you play by yourself, but there's a seasonality to it. There's a release schedule to it. There's changing parts of it. Explore Tyria on your own terms and let's not be weighed down by the need for it to be an MMO. I think that I, th I think that their unannounced, possibly unrelated title is going to be a single player in an MMO world, a lot like Guild Wars was, where you could go to a central hub and see hundreds of people. Yeah, yeah. But, but when you leave the hub, you're really mostly by yourself. You're by yourself unless you party up, right? Mm -hmm. I think their next game is going to be something akin to that with a survival, a survivalish No Man's Sky kind of mm -hmm. idea coupled with single-player story. It's pretty that, specific that you can bring your friends along for the journey if you want to. Mm -hmm. and, and then, if, and then you think, if you or new IP that I'm not sure of if they were smart, some time frame interior, mm -hmm. maybe not modern interior, maybe not guild wars one, but in within that universe, perhaps it's so open. You can go in lots of different directions, but you even just pick a part of the world that no one's ever been to. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And then, and then what's really interesting is if you divorce yourself from, ArenaNet and Guild Wars 2, and you look at Manaworks, which is Michael mm, Bryan's new uh, company that he founded, the game that they look to be building, again, MMO with a single-player-slash-party system that focuses not so much on combat, but on puzzles. Yeah. Jumping puzzles, um, sort of like the, the classic Zelda puzzles where you gotta uh -huh. move bricks and stuff into place and, and so forth, right? And... A world built on once again cosmetics yeah and believe it or not that game does interest me uh, it interests me on a certain level um long term I, who knows maybe there's a story involved with that as well or, or whatever but i think it will be less combat oriented than guild wars 2 is for example not that there won't be any combat but i think it'll be it'll be more like zelda like combat or something you know rather than it won't be the Typical. main way you engage with the game. Right, right. It won't necessarily be the main way you yeah. engage with the game. Solving puzzles and, and doing dungeon puzzles or something will be more important, perhaps, than DPSing a boss thing. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, okay. And I think it'll be a game that will be portable to mobile devices. Yeah, that seems to be important. I imagine NCSoft. Sorry, this is this is Michael Michael Bryan's company. Nothing related yeah, to this is Manaworks. I conflated in my head this and the idea you had earlier about what the but unannounced like, project will look like. But I feel like one of his side projects, I wouldn't be surprised if it was similar to that. Because we know that there were assets or something about a Guild Wars 2 mobile or something. Remember yeah. they had those all the characters with very shiny weapons. Yeah, that very green bows hat. and pink staves yes. and what you know what I mean. Very mobile 
looking. Yeah. And I think that might be something they were working on that got trash canned. Mm-hmm. And Mike, Mike, Mike may have been very passionate about that. I Maybe don't know. Maybe he just took the idea, the general idea. Let's say, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there are lots of good ideas in gaming, but it's all about the implementation, right? Not only, not only is it about implementation, but you have to catch, uh, you have to be able to catch the audience at the right time. Um, and Amazon Studios is a great example of missing the boat, where you create. <laughs> a battle royale type game when battle royales are on their way out you know sure you got fortnite but fortnite is fortnite nothing else is going to be fortnite nothing else is going to be world of warcraft you know what i mean yes. don't try and and like when mobas were in right everybody mm-hmm. wanted to be a moba and have you played crucible or new world uh no i haven't played either of them okay. so. now new world is different but crucible was very much trying to capture on an idea that's mm-hmm. already passed. And yeah, I think were, you're right. They're too late. They're too late on... Now, that doesn't mean I think the game's going to die. Me... They're, they're trying to adjust it or whatever, but yeah. I think they missed the boat. It reminds they started me a to lot develop of... when it was already at its peak. You can't, you can't, you know... <laughs> I'm going to make a yeah. MOBA when the MOBA's already at its peak because by the time I'm done my game, the MOBA's on its way out. But that's what you see from big companies when big companies try to create new games is they try to make safe investments because they're, they're playing with huge amounts of money. Um, that's what Amazon and, did. Yeah. Yeah. So they made an MMO that has that, that where the combat feels more souls like and they, they made a, a first person PVP MOBA. Um, and when I look at that, a crucible, the thing that I that I see is um, what was that game called? Was it Battle Battleborn? Um, it was a a shooter that came out from I think Gearbox a few years ago and then bombed immediately around when Overwatch released. There's so many like yeah they come and go so quick, right? There were a couple of of shooters that came out around the time Overwatch released where they were character based shooters. Um, I think Lawbreakers is another example of a game that was a, a probably a good game but missed its timing, just whiffed the fuck out of its timing. Yeah, and if you miss that timing, it it doesn't matter how much talent you have or how great the idea was. You miss that t- timing really is everything, and you have to catch it. It's it's kind of like um, oh, the survival, the survival like army games. What the heck is the big one? It doesn't matter. The point is, is that era is starting to to seep out of gamers now, and they're they're looking for something else. And yeah. um, if you were to release a game now. That would just be silly because you've already missed the boat. You can't, you know. What games are you looking forward to, Inks? That's a good question. Um, there's a Lord of the Rings MMO that won't be out for probably 20 years I'm interested in. <laughs> Who's developing it? Uh, Amazon, aren't they? Oh, that's the Amazon MMO. I couldn't think of what it was. Yeah, that rings yeah, a bell. Not not, uh, not the one that, te- not New World, but they're, they're supposed to do a Lord of the Rings one. I think it was Amazon. Studios. Okay. Yeah, but again, okay. that's not going to be out for three to four years if we're lucky. Yeah, we haven't seen any, even anything visual from it, so it's ways off. So who knows? But I think that they could maybe do a good job. We'll see. Are you a big Lord of the Rings fan? Um, or just fantasy no. MMOs? You know, I I love Lord of the Rings the books. Uh huh. But unlike the the other billion people on the planet, I didn't like the movies very much. Ooh, controversial did, take. How dare you? I didn't I didn't think they did a very good job portraying the books. Okay. You know, the, the movies are okay, but 
I don't think they're as good as people think that they are. But anyway, you would hate Game of Thrones. I didn't. Well, I okay. So I didn't. I Game of Thrones is a very different take for me because I didn't read the books. Ah. Uh, so I don't know how bad the show is compared to the books, and I'm, I didn't see the end of it. So. <laughs> I, I'm flipped. Well, that was a smart move. Um, I'm flipped though. I I read I read Game of Thrones before seeing the the, the TV series, but I never read Lord of the Rings before seeing the movies. I, I love Lord of the Rings movies. I cherish them. Um, and I feel the, the same about Game of Thrones that most people do. The first, the first five, even six seasons, great. Seven, bad. Eight, woof. Yeah, and I think I watched maybe the first four seasons of Game of Thrones. You did the right thing, man. So uh, I've I've seen the good stuff. You did. <laughs> yeah. See the the thing with um, I love I love the walking meme for Lord of the Rings. It's three movies of walking, <laughs> and at the end. He just throws the ring in the volcano and then he walks all the way. Yeah, that's it. That's the whole movie. Uh -huh. else. Just, just uh, trip to but, the mall to, to return a piece of jewelry. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. That that took like six hours to tell or something. Uh -huh. However long it is. Um, cinematically, sure, I understand it's a masterpiece and, and all that, and, and Peter Jackson did great things, but it's it one of the things. Up... The books are just better. Yeah, well, they always that's are. The way it is, and they always are. To take an even more strained example, because this does not compare to Lord of the Rings at all, but I don't know if you've ever read the Inheritance series, no. Aragon. Oh, Aragon is a name oh. I'm familiar with, but I haven't read it. Yeah, fantastic. I, I believe that series is called the Inheritance series or something uh -huh. like that. But anyway, fantastic books. Really great world that that the, the author really penned out there. But uh -huh. the movie, it, it didn't have enough money. Number, number, number one, it didn't have enough money. That's its yeah. biggest problem. And it was terrible you know mm -hmm. it was like it's like watching a dungeons and dragons movie having played dungeons and dragons your entire life thinking what this is the best they could think of like come on right yeah i i, I heard it wasn't very good um yeah oh Irigan are you was terrible are you uh the dungeons and dragons movies are terrible <laughs> there were dungeons and dragons movies <laughs> yeah All google right. that sometime they're they're very direct to video i think but yeah Okay, maybe someday I'll do that. Uh, are you a fan of Dune at all? Not really, surprisingly enough. I just okay. never got into Dune. Mm -hmm. Are they doing a remake of that as well? They're yes, they're they're building a, a new movie. Okay. Um, it's interesting. It's gonna be directed by the guy who did the <clears throat> the Blade Runner sequel that came out a couple okay. years ago. Yeah, that wasn't too bad. Dennis Villeneuve. He also did Arrival. If you've heard of that movie. Um, yes, Arrival was good. Yeah, I love that movie, and uh, got some pretty cool looking names. They just, they just announced that the uh, movie's being delayed till next year, so whatever. But I mean, I, in this day and age, I, I sort of expect everything is delayed, you know. Yes, it's just par for the course. Days we're living in. That was the other thing too. Um, like Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. That's the big game that everybody's waiting for. Yeah. Uh, I don't have any relation to Cyberpunk. Uh huh. For me, Cyberpunk was an RPG was an RPG system. I don't yeah. was it a book series or something? Is I'm that pretty what it's based sure that, on? I'm pretty sure that that's what it's borrowed from. I think is that they're, they're I'd have to look it up, but it was done by like Platinum Games or something. I can't even remember. Yeah, so you know how like with The Witcher, like there's there, there's the guy who wrote the books, um Andraj Sapkowski, Sapkowski, I think. Um and he's kind of like, you know, um the lore keeper. Similar to that, like there there is a guy who made either, either like like tabletop or role playing games, or maybe 
comic books. I'm not sure. I don't remember who is like the guy for cyberpunk that CDPR has. And it's kind of like, I don't think he necessarily owns the IP, but he's kind of like the the figurehead for it. The lore Um, master. Something like that. I remember RPG wise, there was a game called Rifts, no relation to the video Mm -hmm. game. And at the same time, there was cyberpunk. It wasn't, I don't think it was called 2070s. I think it was just called cyberpunk. Yeah. And Rifts was all about giant robots and mech suits and kind of a mech warrior thing, but right. more anime futuristic y. Um, and cyberpunk was about cybernetics and drug injectors and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. RPG. Mm-hmm. I remember playing both of them a little bit, but um, yeah, I don't know. I like, I'm not really engrossed in that world, so I don't understand the hype. Are you a CDPR fanboy? Sounds like not. I no, I don't know. I think that's the main thing for most people. Is people yeah. fell in love with CDPR because of The Witcher Three. Again, I I own The Witcher Three. I have still haven't played it. <laughs> that's an experience you should take a break from Guild Wars to play. Do do the main story of the main game. Skip the DLC if you want. Although the last DLC is very good, it's worth a detour. Something. I mean, I seen the Netflix show. I don't know if that helps any, but you know. Henry Cavill. <laughs> He's a yeah, they they were they're trying to cast him as Arthas. Uh, oh, that's a <laughs> that's that's but pretty it, good. Yeah, the Photoshop look looked spot on. Yeah, I can easily see that. But he really could would... just play the same character. I mean, the same voice. He doesn't need to <laughs> doesn't need to change it. <laughs> just like literally take scenes from The Witcher and CGI them up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> you know, the fans can make it happen. That's a great idea. Yeah, I could see that. Although I gotta tell you, I'm not excited about another a Warcraft movie. What are they doing with, with Warcraft? One, is it, is it a know. movie or a series or what is that supposed to be? No idea. The first yeah. one was if you weren't a Warcraft fan, it was watchable. I watched okay. it. Yeah. See, so I have this big problem. I played World of Warcraft from launch until um, the big dragon with the jaw. Cataclysm. It's, it's, is getting late here, but yeah, Cataclysm. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I played straight through. Like I didn't take any breaks. I played, you know, constantly. I don't know any of the story. I, I just raided. I don't know any of the story. You know, the character. You don't read the I quest text, do you? I can tell. You know, look after you <laughs> deliver your three thousandth bear hide, you stop reading <laughs> the text altogether. Yeah, yeah, know. I know what you want. I'll get your boar intestines. Even, even the raids, like, I remember they had dialogue, but I don't remember what any of the story was about. Uh-huh. I honestly don't. I have no idea. The only story I know is that Deathwing came in. If that Was that his name? Deathwing? Yeah, yeah. And he tore apart uh, He tore apart Azeroth because um, so they could remake it. So they could have flying mounts. Yeah, well, yeah. And the first expansion was they went through the gate burning crusade the dark the portal door. that was hype so they went hype. through the yeah we went through the portal and that was the orc world right in the grand yeah the the orc home world and that's all i know i don't know that's okay <laughs> I, I just any of that apparently i'll forgive you so uh do you do you consume the lore of guild wars 2 guild wars 2 lore i know a lot better and i you know I think I attribute a good deal of that to number one. I read, I read the, I read two out of the three books that they released. Okay. And I watched a lot of wooden potatoes and from Guild Wars into Guild Wars two. Like, so, you know, but 
to be fair, Good Wars 2 is also voice acted. Yeah. So I don't need to read a whole lot. I can just sit back and passively listen and I, I get the general gist of what's going mm -hmm. on, you know? Yeah. And, 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 and I was a content creator for it, right? So I did a lot of story videos and I, I'm more ingrained than I ever was in World of Warcraft. You know? Right. You're invested in it. I just got on WoW to to drink beers and raid with my friends that I made online. I, I didn't give two craps about whatever story they were trying to tell. Do you have any experiences anymore where you do that? Where you drink beers and play games with friends online? No, not at all. That's you, that's pretty sad actually. But do you no, miss I it? don't. Kind of, but at the same time, and I don't think I I don't necessarily blame Good Wars Two for this. I think it's just me getting older. Yeah. I don't have um I don't have the same patience necessarily for doing that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I don't know. I, I just don't I just don't really do it anymore. Once in a blue moon, and I think it's been months since I've hopped into a stream with Teapot just to goof around and meme a little bit or something. Do you know oh, what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. It's been months since I've even done that, you know, and uh I just don't do it so much anymore. I don't know why. Hmm. Yeah. I find that uh creating those moments can take a little bit of work, but the payoff feels good. I, I even feel bad because I've had several people like invite me to their game night or to like, you know, like, hey, we're getting together and we're playing such and such tonight. Uh -huh. And I'm just like, man, I won't be there. <laughs> it's not because I don't like those people or anything. I just, I don't know. I'm just not interested in that experience right now, I guess. Mm -hmm. What experiences are you looking for right now? You know, mostly, mostly single player games where I can just, where I can kind of shut my mind off, where I don't okay. need to think about what I'm doing or what actions like destiny 2 was good for a while for that because i would just jump into the game and shoot and kill a bunch of things i, I wasn't trying to do quests or dailies i would just go and kill mm -hmm. a whole bunch of guys until i got bored of doing that and i would log out okay and uh, diablo 3 was like that so i'm, I'm looking forward to diablo 4 because i'm a big diablo franchise mm -hmm. fan mm -hmm. diablo 3 which i haven't played in months but that's a similar experience for me i'll hop in and run a couple of high level rifts or whatever mm -hmm. and just kill a whole bunch of monsters and then log back out i you know i'm not really looking for loot in particular or i just want to mindlessly do things in a game want to blow off some steam do um what have you heard of path of exile yeah i and i i did play a little bit of path but mm -hmm. um i just think i have a deeper connection with diablo yeah i think i think way. i think path is probably the better game of the two mm -hmm. especially from a technical standpoint Mm -hmm. build variation and, and so forth but um i just have that deeper connection with diablo that i played all of them and so yeah forth. the ip matters i was on a um yeah Rocka's stream earlier today he was streaming some path of exile and nike was hanging out and talking about the game a little bit um another diablo or poe are really my jam but it seems like the kind of game where you can really do what you describe which is just like jump in kill right. a lot of shit trying to shut your brain hard. off and just click 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 yeah. click and run through monsters and mow them down and yeah another definitely. game like that but that layers on a really heavy like like build craft like complicated build craft element would be um like warframe i'm not sure if you've ever tried that i have tried warframe a couple of times now, i know like deo and some of the talking script guys are really into warframe really okay deo and age deo and age are really into warframe uh-huh uh, I tried it a couple of times. It's a good game. I have nothing against it. I found Destiny 2 a little easier for me to get into for yeah. whatever reason. I don't know why. I don't know what the difference is. Uh, but yeah. 
Yeah, well, in Destiny, it's about shooting people. In Warframe, it's about being a space magician, ninja. Like it's a little, it's it's a little less direct. Uh, right. But, okay. But it has the same kind of like the missions are kind of um, they're kind of Diablo like, like literally randomly generated spaceship corridors and like the the the, the missions are are randomly pieced together from tile sets. But yeah, cool. Okay. Well, yeah, um, those are like turn based shooters. Uh, turn not turn based shooters. Turn based games like like XCOM or something like that. Okay. Uh, I haven't played a whole bunch of that lately, but yeah, I don't know. I like a good turn-based X-Town. game as well. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, that's cool. Yeah, not really something I know much about, but uh, yeah, it's interesting here. You're not excited about about cyberpunk. I think that like it's not okay to not be excited for cyberpunk. Like it's, it's the game that the internet came out for. I just don't know anything about it. I'll watch other people play it, and if it looks fun, then I'll jump yeah. in and play it. But like. I've seen. I'm starting to see commercials with Keanu Reeves, and all I can yeah. think is, "Hey, it's Keanu Reeves." I, I don't care about anything he's talking about. I'm just like, "Hey, Matrix, Keanu Reeves. I like that." So, <laughs> Dodge this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, Inks, man, this has gone on a lot longer than I thought it would. This has been a really fun discussion. Um, been a long time. Thr- uh, it's been a thrill to ca- to finally talk to you in person. I feel like I've heard from you so much. So this has been kind of really 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 cool and i hope you had fun too 100 percent for sure and uh so i think we're gonna outro it now but do you want to uh give people just a little outro spiel let them know where to find you and uh, what you're up to so if you want to see some of the older guild wars 2 content and so forth um youtube.com slash mmo inks you want to follow me on twitter it's mo underscore inks long story don't ask and if you want to follow me on Twitch, it's twitch.tv slash MMOinks. And I still play a little bit of Guild Wars 2 here and there on Twitch. And I'm at the Gathering Arena right now. And we'll see what else comes up. Who knows? Awesome. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, as for me, you know, I'm here. Um, I do podcasts. I try to do them once a week. Once every other week is what, it, what it's panning out to be. I've got some new stream projects that I'm going to try to do coming up soon i think i'm gonna do a skyrim let's play where i try to read all the books from skyrim oblivion and morrowind in the game as part of the that's part of the let's play i mean, I think i'm gonna try that see if it works you know what i was telling you about riding through the landscape of skyrim reading the books right yeah exactly it'll be in front of a campfire instead but that's a good idea i think that's a good idea we'll see we'll see it's it's motivating me at the moment but anyway uh this will be up on YouTube later and Spotify and a couple other um, podcast outlets. But uh, yeah, thanks everyone who tuned in live or who's catching this later. And um, I'm Deeg uh, signing off. Thanks everyone.